0: Welcome back to Schizotopia. As always, I'm your host, Maxwell Cody, and joining me today, Mr. Red Judaism. Red, how are you?
1: Shalom, thank you. I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you, Cody. How are you doing? Maxwell Cody, sorry. Um, I should call you Max or just
0: Maxwell? Uh, Max, Maxwell is fine. I I, uh-huh. I usually, I, usually I like to start with Maxwell and inevitably it gets shortened to Max. That's, okay. the, that's the natural process Maxwell, of then. that name. I actually went by Max, you know, for most of my life, and then it was just a couple years ago. I, I got this funny itch because I started to think, you know, that's actually not my name. That's actually not my name. So I should at least mm. try to use my full name. Mm-hmm. Um, in any case, your channel, according to you, it promotes the Min Hog mm-hmm. of Nabatea to deal mm. with the notes rim and Judaizers, as described in the Talia, while raging against nationalistic bigotry and uh-huh. hatred. That is a lot to unpack, right? For mm. someone who is uninitiated, that is a lot to unpack. Yeah. I, I hope I didn't mispronounce anything. I think I got it. No, it's okay. It. But so that is start with that. that's mm. quite a thesis. Yes.
1: Yes, it is a thesis. <laughs> I'm always struggling with trying to think, well, how do I how do I how do I condense this down? How do I condense it down? I need I need one word which says it. But it's, uh, it's, it's really, yeah, there's a lot. It's, it's essentially, uh, well, it's just a rabbit hole, which you get down and then you find it's like a burrow with all sorts of different tunnels and things. And if you've, if you've never found the way down that, that rabbit hole, then you'll never know about this entire network of world which is underneath your mm-hmm. your, your feet, you know, so.
0: Well, let's start with yes. the Hasmonian Hasmonean okay. minhag. What does that mean?
1: Hasmonian, Yeah. Hasmoneans. It, it should say Hasmonean minhag. I, maybe it's a spelling mistake. I'm not sure. Oh, no. It's definitely mispronouncing. It's definitely
0: yeah.
1: mispronouncing. Hasmoneans. So who are the Hasmoneans? So the Hasmoneans, uh, well, it's what most people call, Christians like to call it late teple, late second temple Judaism. They call mm. it late second temple Judaism. Um, I, I like to use a different phrase because that's a typical um a sort of term used from from Christianity, so I want to try and make it more um, more Jewish. So we have Hasmonean Judaism is really what we would call it. So the Hasmonians were the um were the dynasty which which emerged out of the Maccabees. You might know the Maccabees from Hanukkah. Yes the story of from, Hanukkah
0: from the from the book of Maccabees yeah
1: yeah and the book of Maccabees if you're if you're familiar with the the uh the, the Catholic Bible then there's the book of my Maccabees there or if the if you're familiar with yes, Jewish uh,
0: uh, uh, yeah. oddly enough the Catholics put that in their version of the Bible but it's not in the Jewish Tanakh
1: no it's not in the it's not in the Tanakh it's um it's part of the Jewish uh scriptures of course but it's not part of our um Tanakhah um and it's uh uh, it's something which the because it's not part of the Tanakh. It's something that the, the Protestants left out, and as a result, they they lack uh, some knowledge which which actually Catholics have more knowledge about in Judaism than than Protestants because they they have that that reference because of mm-hmm. course you know in Judaism we have Tanakhah but we have like we have so many other scriptures which you, we have libraries of, of 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 scriptures which you can go to which basically build up the picture and the story of Judaism and you you will never understand Judaism if you just read the Tanakhah the Tanakh you won't you won't get the picture of Judaism what you get from the Tanakhah alone is something called Sadduceeism which is not Judaism um so so Catholics oddly enough have got more knowledge of Judaism than the Protestants generally because of this tiny these what they call the apof- apocryphal texts, which, mm-hmm. uh, which they include, so the Maccabees, were uh, that's the story of Hanukkah, which is mentioned in the New Testament, so you know people should be aware of it. Festival of Lights, I think they call it as well. The Feast of the Dedication was when the Maccabees basically um, rededicated the temple after it had been turned into a, a, a pagan sort of idol center by by a, a Greek uh, by the, the Seleucids, a Greek um, dynasty which succeeded from Alexander in the in the Middle East. Um, Actually, it's quite interesting because the Maccabees were being supported by the Ptolemids, who were also descended from Alexander the Great, but they were in conflict with the Seleucids. So the Ptolemids and the Seleucids were in conflict with each other, and the Ptolemids basically were supporting the Maccabee side, and um, that's why the Maccabees eventually became the Hasmoneans. They started speaking Ptolemaic Greek, um, even though they were fighting Hellenists who were Seleucids. So in the end, the Hasmoneans were Greek-speaking Jews. Um, but they were not hellenists <laughs> it's quite people think okay hellenist means means a grecified Gre- uh, or Gre- Gratianized sort of jews are, are all hellenists but actually that's not the case because the Ptolemaic side were also the Ptolemaid side were also um um Grat- i want to use the Gratianized to distinguish from hellenized it's a different word just to so that there is a difference between greek speaking and hellenist as people understand it generally meaning somebody who's rejecting all jewish culture and trying to become and live like a greek uh, you know not circumcising dressing in a toga and being a philosopher mm-hmm. so um so you had these two these two things that the maccabees were fighting against hellenists but they were still greek and they had the Uh, Septuagint, which was which was specifically done for the Ptolemaic dynasty uh, for the Library of Alexandria.
0: That was the the translation um, of the Hebrew Bible into Greek. That's
1: exactly right. It's not just the Hebrew Bible, actually. It's the translation of the the Tanakh plus uh, a lot of Mishnah. And Mishnah is the Oral Torah, because um, uh, we believe in Judaism that uh, Judaism is not just the Tanakh, not just the not just the Torah either, which was revealed at Mount Sinai. But we believe that the whole religion of Judaism was basically revealed at Mount Sinai um and some of it was written down that's called the torah and some of it was not written down that's called the mishnah or the oral torah um and some people think that's the talmud but it was it was discussed in the talmud so so judaism was revealed at mount sinai and then the the Septuagint attempt to try and translate into uh greek uh the, the tanakh plus a judaic commentary and a lot of information including all the way down the history of the jews all the way down to the time of the maccabees themselves so it's a it's a big uh sort of Sort of a tome about the, the the history of the Jewish people in Greek, including based on the Tanakh.
0: So that's so, what they had. Yeah. So the Hasmonean. Yeah. Um, they they are the one. They're the successors of the Maccabees after the Maccabees successfully took mm-hmm. out the Greeks. Yeah. And yeah, descended from Maccabees. Yeah. Uh, give or take, what year was this? What oh, century sorry. Was this?
1: The 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 year of the Maccabees. Grief. I don't remember. It's in it's a it's the it's in the mid third century BC. Um. And the, the Hasmoneans, if I'm correct, and the Hasmoneans were already being called Hasmoneans in the second century B.C. And they continued to rule until the first century B.C. And they were conquered by Julius Caesar and they became known as the Roman Jews. So Roman Jews uh, actually were Greek speaking Jews. Um, and so we, that 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 tradition, that Hasmonean tradition, that Hasmonean minhag, we call it a, like a, a way of doing Judaism, minhag. It's interesting, it's related to the Arabic word manhaj, almost the same meaning. Mm. Um, And um, that Hasmonean minhag became known as the Roman, Romaniot minhag, Roman Jewish minhag, which still exists today, although the Romaniot Jews are so tiny, they're Greek-speaking Jews, which confuses everybody because they're called Romaniot, so everybody thinks they're Romanian Jews. (laughs) They're Greek-speaking Jews, which still exist today. There's probably about 2,000 of them left in the world today, maybe even less than that. Um, And uh, they are the Continuity, like a 2000, they have a 2,200 year continuity from the Maccabees until until today. Um, and that is the Hasmonean Minhag, which I referred to. It's basically another way of saying Romaniot Minhag, because if I say Romaniot, people think it's got something to do with Latin and Romania. Right. So I had to make sure that we're talking about Hasmoneans, which is actually true. They are Hasmonean Minhag, but they're called Romaniot because they were conquered by Rome. Julius Caesar conquered them. So that's why they're called Rom- Romaniot today.
0: So w- why is this your why is this particular historical um, manifestation of Judaism? Why is this your starting point? Right.
1: What, another thing which people don't know is that all of the forms of Judaism in the world today descend from Hasmonean Judaism. So even if it's a Babylonian um, uh, Judaism or Yemeni Judaism or Cochin Judaism or Sephardic or Ashkenazi Judaism, all of it comes back to the Hasmonean times. So they were all they all have their, their their um their root in the in the the Pharisees of the Hasmonean Empire. Not empire, the Hasmonean kingdom, sorry. So they all have their root in the in the, in those Pharisees. So um people might think that um Yemeni Judaism, for, for example, with its its we're talking about Reb, Yemeni rabbinical Judaism might be more authentic because it's a it's an ancient Semitic form, or they might think that Iraqi Judaism might be more authentic because it's an ancient Semitic form of mm. of Judaism, uh, and, and just because it's a Semitic language speaking group, they might think it's more authentic. But everybody forgets that all of those rabbinical traditions that they're writing about go back to the Hasmonean times; they go back to the Greeks. So, in fact, it's the most ancient and authentic form of Judaism is the Hasmonean Judaism, and the others are uh, referring to it, even if they speak a Semitic language, mm-hmm. they're referring to this Hasmonean culture, this this Hasminian tradition. Mm-hmm. So so I think that's the most important thing. Now that's what brings us on to the next word, Nabataean. Can I move on to Nabatean, or do you have a question? Uh, uh,
0: yes, uh, just real quickly. My, my basic understanding is you had what's called First Temple Judaism, Second yeah. Temple Judaism, yeah. and then people say, uh, after the destruction of the Second Temple by the yeah. Romans in uh, 70 AD, give or take, um, you, this is the beginning of rabbinical Judaism, um, mm-hmm. or Judaism as it's understood now. You know, modern to Judaism of the last two thousand years um, is uh, is what you're saying is that Hasmonean Judaism is the original rabbinical Judaism, the original rabbinical Judaism. But yeah, something I've heard is that uh, the Yemeni Jews mm-hmm. went down into um, Arabia. Uh, after the destruction of the first temple, and that's they're like they're like a, a a time capsule for what first temple Judaism was like. It's
1: not exactly true. What okay. what happened really is, after the destruction of uh, uh of the first temple, um, well, and even going further back, you know, the, with the Assyrian exile, there were Israelites who were scattered all over the place, in in even ending up in Central Asia, Central Eurasia, and Russia. Um, what we would now call modern russia and also ethiopia and um well they were all over the place and then the destruction of the second temple sure yes the rest of the the exile of um of, of judah the kingdom of judah and um, they were their numbers were basically topped up wherever they had gone but um what we usually find is a very if I can use the word without uh, being offensive,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, impoverished form of Judaism, which is um, among such groups. So um, the most interesting would be the the Falashas, the Ethiopian Jews, because they do have a Mishnah and a, a, a kind of a rabbinical tradition, even if it's not the same as the others. So, so uh, the Falashas are probably the best... Um, um, example of of a, of a kind of a, a Judaism which 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 is pre uh, late Second Temple Judaism which existed somewhere else and they, they claim that that comes back to Solomon actually um so um, so they but they do, they do have this some something like a Mishnaic and rabbinical tradition but they don't have the same rabbis and they don't have the same sources but they have something like it so they are almost the closest to an authentic group but then you've got um, other groups um, which are are quite quite different significantly different just mentioning briefly uh, uh karims of south uh, of, of, of eastern europe for example <laughs> they're supposed to also have an origin from the this, the, the, the Assyrian diaspora but their so, religion is very different
0: yeah so two things the the yeah. offensive word was impoverished an impoverished form of judaism yeah we're, okay. we're used to much rougher language around here reds so okay. that's okay <laughs> that's why impoverished is very polite okay um the other thing though is that and i've said on this show before uh there's something going on with the Ethiopians because yep. they they have their own kind of unique form of Christianity and unique form of Judaism. Yep. And the theory that I've heard is that uh, the Ethiopian uh, Jews, the the black Jews, the Falasha, mm-hmm. I think they're sometimes called Beta Israel. Um, mm-hmm. Was that they started off as orthodox Christians Ethiopian mm-hmm. orthodox, they got so into the old testament yep. Ju- so Juds yeah they slowly uh, uh, Judaism, yeah, and that's why they don't that's why they have like they I believe they have the Torah, but I mm-hmm. think they like you were saying they have a different uh yeah. oral tradition, they have a different yep. Talmud, a different mission or something like that,
1: yeah, there is an argument that I've read it extensively um and it's a good argument um that they were basically um ethiopian christians who had a wider because the ethiopian christian bible is much bigger than any other bible on the planet it's got more in its canon and uh, more apocrypha than any other christian sect mm. so the idea is that because they had so much extra apocrypha that they had so much they had knowledge therefore of so much extra uh, mishnah i.e oral torah than any other uh, christian sect hence as they became judaizers they simply had a lot more knowledge of the Mishnah than any other kind of Judaizers mm-hmm. and therefore are not very easy to not very easy to to distinguish. Are they actually originally Jews who had a, an early form of Mishnah or were they just Judaized Christians who had a ton of Mishnah, unlike other Christians? So I've read the argument, but I, I like to accept the the um, the position which um uh, they they give themselves that they actually descend from uh jews who come from that first temple period who are scattered down there um early on and i don't have a problem with that the decision was already made by the rabbinical courts in israel that they were that's who they say who they say they are is the truth and they were granted um uh um rights to citizenship in, in israel as a result of that so so I accept I accept that. So the, the 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 rabbinate of Israel accepted that them and I I think that's that's fine. I've seen the arguments on both sides, so I think it's fine. What, what so we've got kind of sat.
0: Yeah. Uh, we're gonna get a little more sidetracked because this is okay. one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> um and I'd love to hear your opinion about it. Um the thing that has always been super interesting to me, and another reason why Ethiopian Christianity and Judaism stand out to me is that uh, my understanding is that both the Ethiopian Orthodox and uh, the Falasha, the the Ethiopian Jews, mm-hmm. uh, they both read Enoch and the book yes. of Enoch I know is extremely important to early Christians. And it's interesting because later Christianity, at least Western Christianity, they kind of tried to bury Enoch. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tried to get rid of it because it's the theology ends up being too weird and too problematic. But the fact that both Groups, both of the both the Jews and the Christians of Ethiopia, they both canonized and kept Enoch. To me, Enoch is kind of the the smoking gun for the theory for um, mm-hmm. uh, the Ethiopian Jews being descended from Ethiopian Christians.
1: Right. I, th- I th- as far as I know, my discussions with them, they believe in a different Book of Enoch from the Christians because we do have a Jewish Book of Enoch. Do you know about them? There are several books of Enoch.
0: My well, so and, my understanding my my yeah. understanding is that there's a bunch of different versions floating around the different mm-hmm. Christians and different Jews. Were like it's pretty, it gets pretty confusing, but the, mm-hmm. the gist of it, the gist of it is that it's still, it was at odds with temple Judaism because Enoch, from what I understand was really mad about um, the temple switching from a lunar calendar to a solar calendar. Um, and this idea that it was fallen angels who were bringing sin into the world, and it, it kind of changes the the narrative of, of Genesis a little bit. Yes, it does. Yes. Um, so the, what carry on, please. I'll, well, there's also this the thing that is... really stands out to me is the it's almost like anti gnosticism because uh, Noah is saved in the book of Enoch, and I guess I don't know which version this is, but Noah is saved in the book of Enoch because he is without knowledge, and the angels build the ark for him. It's like he's, it's, it's like he's so ignorant that that's what makes him favorable to God, mm. um, which is, again, a little, little different from, from the uh, official version of Genesis.
1: Right. So, first of all, the official Judaic position concerning the um you know that first that famous first the sons of god saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and came and uh, took them as wives and they were children born unto them these are the mighty men the of old and hashem the, the men of renown um, that's in genesis what you just that's said. in genesis yes. chapter 6 verse 5 i think i just quoted um maybe four maybe i think it's five um and this uh uh Traditional explanation and understanding in Judaism: sons of God refers to Seth and his people, and daughters of men refers to uh, Cain and his people. The daughters of Cain, the women from Cain's people. So, so the men from Seth's people and the women from from Cain's people. Seth's people being the sons of God, Cain's people being the daughters of men or the people of, children of men. The word it uses is Haadam, and Haadam in the Bible and in Judaism consistently is is wicked. Um, whereas we also have Adam not Adam, who is consistently good and the best of creation. So, so um, what happens is um, the Nephilim who come to be in the earth in those days and after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and took, and, and took them as, as wives, uh, the Nephilim means the fallen ones. It means jealous people, people who are jealous of, um, of the sons of God having, uh, that means the people of Seth and the people of Cain mixing, or the women of Cain and the, and the men of Seth mixing, caused jealousy amongst other people who are called Ha'adan, who are called, still called, which means mankind. So um, so the traditional Jewish view is that there was a jealousy amongst mankind because the, son, the the men of Seth were mixing with the women of Cain. And you have to well, who's the mankind then? Well, they were the Nephilim. They were the fallen ones. And so who are they? And they are the ancestors of all humans on planets. So the Jewish Day point of view is that we all descend from, all of us, every human being on the planet descends from Nephilim, fallen ones, fallen angels, who, what kind of angels, called the Ishim, that's the, the, the rank of angels that we are, humans are, is actually Ishim. We're actually the fallen rank of Ishim. We're the fallen angels who are called the Ishim. And this is all from the Bible. You can see this in the Hebrew language as well. <coughs> now, what um, the Christian book of Enoch, which the Ethiopians have, does <coughs> is it, it kind of turns it around. So it makes out that uh, the, the people who are on the planet were good until the sons of God who were fallen angels mixed yes. with the daughters of men, and they be- so it's like, whoa, so so it's the exact antithesis of Judaism. Well, so um, I haven't come across falashas who have this antithesis idea, but this antithesis idea is there in Christianity, and I and it's it's very clearly for me, it's very clearly a relic of Gnosticism because in Gnosticism, the key point of Gnosticism is this not the God of Abraham, Isaac, of Jacob, um, Hashem, who, um created adam and eve you know adam and hava and 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 uh in the in the garden of eden not him who's the good guy in gnosticism they say no he's the bad guy the serpent in the tree he's the good guy that's what gnosticism teaches so so um this view uh of the the um the complete sort of antithesis, as I talked about, that we are actually the fallen people. And then, you know, there was a message comes down from heaven to to guide the children of Seth into, into righteousness. And then his descendants going down to Noah becoming more and more righteous is exactly, you know, the opposite of Gnosticism because we are getting guidance from the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, who is enlightening us and making us more wise. And we're going down that direction. Whereas the, 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 the Christian view is, is is affected by Gnosticism so it's exact opposite that the people who mixed the sons of God and the children of men who mixed were the wicked ones, and um, the ones who were there beforehand were the good ones. And the the, the reason why it's different is because it's quite. I, I wish I had a diagram to try and explain this. <laughs> Let me. Treat, it you know, very, these genealogies
0: use. get very complicated. Yeah, yeah,
1: I think got an image actually. Can I? But I don't think it's going to be useful for our audience. But it'll help me if I can share the image so I can so I can talk about it while I'm. Yeah. Let me just open that image so so that I can have something. Um...
0: If I remember correctly, in Enoch, you know the these uh, fallen angels they they start to teach women how to wear makeup and they teach men how to make weapons, right? Yeah. And this is like the beginning of um, you know, the earth is filled with blood, this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny because it's very similar to 2001: uh, Space Odyssey. So uh, the
1: idea, yes. So the idea is that civilization was given to mankind from these fallen angels. This is an and 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 it's quite interesting, yes, because the Christian view is that a civilization is basically a, a bad thing. Learning is a bad thing. This is this is Christian being influenced by Gnostics. That civilization mm-hmm. is a, is a wicked thing. And it, it's being taught to you by fallen angels. Whereas in Judaism, it's the exact opposite. Uh, the civilization is coming to the people who have repented. Cain repents and his his descendants, uh, Jabal Jubal and Tubal Cain, become the, the founders of musicians and tent makers or p- architects, if you mm-hmm. like, and um, um, metalsmiths. Because Cain repented, he, turn- well, he was a murderer, yes, in the beginning. But he repented. He said, my punishment is too much for me to bear. And he turned to Hashem and hashem put a mark of protection on him. now the Christian view as a result of Gnostic influence is that that God punished him somehow put a curse on him and mark the mark on of Cain was a curse but actually the correct view is now the mark of Cain is not a curse it's a blessing it protects him and his descendants and they become ultimately the daughters of of, of Cain one of the ones who marry into the sons of of Seth so it's a very opposite view I mean you you've got two different world views one that Hashem the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is, is good and wants to enlighten mankind. And those who rebel, who rebelled against him are wicked. And the other opposite view, the Gnostic view, the first view is the Jewish view, the Gnostic view is that, no, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is evil and the ones who rebelled against him are good. And as a result, you have these two very conflicting worldviews causing a lot of problem. Mm. So I my I, I, understanding, uh, we probably should have a flasher here, but my understanding to clarify, because we've got into the flasher thing, so it's out, it's on the edges of my my knowledge. But the best thing uh, we should do is probably have a flasher here to confirm. But my understanding with with discussions from the flashes is that that's what distinguishes a uh, flasher from an Ethiopian Christian, that they adopted the Judaic worldview rather than uh, maintaining this Gnostic worldview or Gnostic influenced worldview, which many Christians have and many Protestants have in the world today. Still, they still um, <coughs> are sects of Protestants out there who think that uh, knowledge is evil because they don't see it as the, what we call in Judaism the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And there's the key. Good and evil is mm-hmm. what is knowledge of about. Knowledge is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But knowledge of good and evil implies experiential knowledge of evil because unless you have experiential knowledge of evil, that means pain and suffering and death, then you won't know what is good. Mm-hmm. So for us, the tree of knowledge of good and evil means pain, suffering, and death. Whereas uh, Protestants have got, a lot of Protestants and other Christians have got, um, not all, have got an influence of Gnosticism where they think it's just the tree of knowledge full stop. And that causes a a weird situation where you have a split happens. You have kind of uh, some Christians going off and say, well, I want to know more about this knowledge. And they become Gnostics and they turn against the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and they get into all sorts of weird and wonderful sects. Marcion, and Yeah, and and the uh, and the other Christians say, well, in that case, I'm going to shut on knowledge, and I don't want to know anything about knowledge because it's evil. <laughs> but both of them are influenced by gnosticism. Well,
0: I would say <laughs> my my general take is is that, and I'm very, I'm agnostic in a lot of ways, but um, what what it looks like to me now, what Christianity was, it was some kind of messianic Jewish movement. Mm-hmm. Um, that believed in an imminent apocalypse and whether that was what jesus or the disciples or paul was actually teaching or not i'm not 100 sure but it's very clear to me that the early church believed in an imminent total world-changing apocalypse Mm. and when that didn't happen you either you got this like fully hellenized judaism in the form of um orthodox catholic christianity Mm -hmm. that I think as the centuries went on, they basically had to become, they had to invent new Judaisms. Like I know that Orthodox Christianity, a lot of their views on uh, the old Testament are actually pretty close to Judaism because, you know, in other words, I don't think that the early church was built to last. It was this like, it was this uh, messianic apocalyptic movement that thought that the world was coming to end, uh, coming to an end very soon. Um, And when you look at it that way it's like the rejection of the law of Moses it's not really a rejection of the law of Moses it's just that there's no time there's no time to circumcise the Gentiles there's no time to convert them to Judaism right we have to have this um, you know like uh, Jesus is like the new ark basically and we have to get as many people on the ark as possible uh, to save them from the the coming apocalypse Um, and that later kind of got turned into this weird sort of anti-Judaism
1: yes um it's, I have a very different view of it because, <laughs> because, because um, we, uh, uh, it's not very well known now, but it is actually part of Jewish tradition, and you can find it if you study deeply enough with people like Rashi. If you look into things that Rashi has said, and Jacob Endin, and uh, I've got I list them at the beginning of my shows. When I give a show, I, I list the sort of the uh, the the literary origins of of the tradition which I which I promote, and and in this tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, um, the, uh, the, the, the 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 Pharisees, the, the, the Orthodox Jews, um, assigned a rabbi to compile the teachings of, of of Jesus of Nazareth into the New Testament, what we call the New Testament, Evangelion, in order to fight against a sect of people of of, of, of secular secularist uh, Israelites who were causing trouble and leading had 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 caused and led to the destruction of the temple so we were trying to split them off from us because we were feeling like we were getting curses because they were mixed in amongst us and we used we turned to the teachings of jesus of nazareth in order to compile them into this new testament in order to filter off these um, secularists away from us and to make them into christians we didn't want to get them damned to hell you know what we wanted to to first of all we consider them already to be damned to hell and they were bringing damnation upon us too so we wanted to split them off from ourselves to 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 filter them off from ourselves and give them a second chance uh with basically a christian faith that's actually the standard and was the standard judaic narrative right up until world war ii then after the, the holocaust everybody dropped that and nobody's interested in the christian faith anymore but until the Holocaust, that was the standard Judaic narrative in uh, Northern oh. Europe, the Ashkenazi narrative. That was oh. the traditional Ashkenazi narrative.
0: All right, so I am, I am pretty confused. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> very different. Because we live I know... in a world
1: where everything now is very different to how things had been until World War II. Everything is almost like we're just, re- everybody from all different sects of religion around the world, are, and we're all sort of piecing together to make sense of the world that we find ourselves in. And very few of us have really spent much time trying to find out what the world looked like beforehand, except according to the dominant narrative of the winners. Mm -hmm.
0: Because the last few centuries have been so apocalyptic that that we don't we don't realize that we're kind of the civilization we, are, we, we have now is like a little island built on this multi-century apocalypse.
1: It's all um, actually you yeah, yeah it's it's quite like we're actually living in a post-apocalyptic scenario and yeah, we don't really yeah. know what went beforehand to be honest. Yeah. But
0: so my okay uh, <laughs> my understanding my understanding yeah. of it has always been that um or the way I have always looked at it is that it's like to me looking at the New Testament one There's a split between Paul and whatever Christianity was going on before. Mm, This is
1: a standard Gnostic view. This is not the way it is. Okay. According to Judaism, our view of Paul is very positive. According to all these, like I said, Jacob and then Rashi. What? He was,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh I'm. No, hold on. Hold on. This is getting way too. This is actually. My, this is breaking my brain. My understanding <laughs> of it is that you know, like, uh, you you can make an argument for a Jewish Jesus at least in Luke, Matthew, and Mark. It's John where things kind of... <laughs> yeah. so you, you can see it where the, the Hellenization is, is going full tilt in, in John. And even early Christian commentators noted that John is the spiritual gospel. It, it's different from the three... Uh, Remember
1: that there's a difference between like academic, spiritual, comments and, and what Jews are doing and thinking in our okay. world, okay. which okay. is completely divorced I, I just, from all that.
0: I just want to lay out how... Because I, I, I think yeah. my view is more like the common view, right? Mainstream, which is that,
1: it's a mainstream. It's commonly held. It's, yeah. it's well known. And what's not mainstream and what's not well known is, is the Judaic view as things used to be for a thousand years before the Holocaust.
0: Because w- how I always saw is it's Paul in Hebrews where Christianity formally declares independence from Judaism. It's where he's saying, you know, d- don't worry about circumcision, don't worry about keeping the full law of Moses. Just that's basically the follow-
1: interpretation of Paul, but that's okay, not okay, the Jewish okay.
0: interpretation so of Paul. What, give me the pro-Paul. Orthodox Jewish position, because this is, this is incredible to me.
1: Okay, well, first of all, we should take a quotation from Rashi, okay? Um, I don't have it to hand because I wasn't prepared for this, but basically he says...
0: Um, and I'm sorry, real quick, who is Rashi?
1: Rashi is, is basically the founder of Ashkenazi Judaism. He's, he's what distinguishes Ashkenazi Judaism from what was formerly a kind of uh, romaniot Judaism. You know, we have Ashkenazi Judaism and Sephardic Judaism are the two biggest sects of Judaism in the world. Mm -hmm. Sephardic is like Spanish Judaism and Ashkenazi is something like Yiddish Judaism Germanic Judaism versus Spanish Judaism so so both sects again I was talking about the Hasbunian Romaniots at the beginning, the Romaniots were the Jews of the Roman Empire and those who learned Latin became the Sephardim and those who learned the barbarian language, German became the Ashkenazim Okay, so when these two sects sort of were crystallized, when they crystallized um, a major person who crystallized the Ashkenazi sect, his name is Rashi. He's very important. And um, basically, if you've ever heard of Chabad Judaism, they have two sort of, they have three things, three pillars of Chabad Judaism. They have Rashi for the Ashkenazi side. They have Rambam for the Sephardic side. And they have their own um, Rebbe Menachem Shnison who sort of fused the two things together to make a, a, a unified form of Judaism. But Rashi is the is the founder of really Ashkenazi Judaism. So he says... Um, uh, that the, the Evangelion, the New Testament, um, includes texts of Minut, minis- which is heresy, which Rashi says were written by Yohanan, Paulus, and Petrus, who he says, were Jews who, and this is a quote, purposely infected their culture in order to sway the Christian faith away from Judaism. They themselves were not heretics, but did so for the benefit of the Jewish people as is written in the book, the Telia Yeshu, unquote. So that's what Rashi tells us. So we have to turn to the book, the Telia Yeshu, to learn up, learn more. The only problem is, um, most of it was most of the copies were burnt by the Nazis during World War II, But there, there is enough information out there for us to know what was written in Telia because we have other people like Baruch Frankel who tell us details of the Telia, and thankfully also, I suppose, thankfully. It's kind of a mixed thanks here, but um, there were a lot of anti-Semites before World War II who who rewrote the Telia into something called the Toledoth Yeshu in order to spread slander against the Jews by making the main character in the Telia into Jesus of Nazareth. Um, and well, OK, if you know that that's not Jesus of Nazareth, but the main character in in, in the Telia is is actually somebody called Ben Cittada then you can use those Toledoth Yeshus to, to, to sort of get more knowledge about the Telia as well. So, so thankfully, those Toledoth issues were, were written and they tell us something about the Telia as well. Anyway, the point is, that's what Rashi says. So we have to look into the Telia to learn about uh, these great Jews, John and Paul and Peter, who were um, purposefully infecting their culture in order to sway the Christian faith away from Judaism. And they themselves were not heretics, but did so for the benefit of the Jewish people. So this is Rashi's view on these on, on these people. And then we have Jacob Endin, and we have lots of people, actually. I've got a whole list of people I can read off to you, but uh, Jacob Endin is a very significant person, and he wrote a, a very good um, sort of summary of the teachings of Paul from the Judaic perspective, as we're supposed to uh, perceive it. So um, Paul was not trying to um, create a... a uh, a new version of Judaism. What he was trying to do was 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 set up a form of like Judaism for children or uh, introduction to Judaism. You know, Judaism one hundred one or chi- children's version of Judaism, which was more like a cultural uh, thing, which would allow, which would would serve as a bridge between the Gentile world and the Jewish world. So he was, they were actually working on a bridge. Uh, to try and aid communication and, and help people understand the very strict and serious, what we call Haredi or Hasidic Jewish, Jewish, Jewish world, this extremely, well, Pharisee, the Perishim, the Pharisee world of Judaism. So, so they, were, they were trying to get a kind of a baby level Judaism, which was going to do two things. One, it was going to help Gentiles know more about Judaism and understand Jews better. And number two, it was going to get all of those Jews who were currently bringing curses upon Israel because of their secular observance and, and, and lack of regard for the Jewish laws. It was going to filter them all off into this baby level Judaism so they could have a second chance at salvation without having to uh, have such a difficult role, difficult life. Or it would push them into full observance of Judaism. So it would it would deal with two. It would it would kill two birds with one stone. Do, are you with me? Do you follow
0: I, I do, but I'm I'm already, you know, I'm I'm already imagining the, the kinds of objections that I would hear from Christians. You know, like Paul well, we get and... objections all the time. It's not about nothing. We've never uh, had
1: there've never been a time when Christians haven't objected to what Jews have
0: thought. <laughs> but but when I uh, again to me it's all about Hebrews. And you know, when when Paul says the law was only a shadow of the things that were to come. The, 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 a shadow of the good things that were to come. I mean, it's that's always stood out to me because it sounds so hellenistic. It's like Plato's cave. You know, it's See, like Hebrew. It's like...
1: A Hebrew is not a Jew. A Hebrew is somebody who um could have been a Jew but turned against Judaism. So the letter to the Hebrews is exactly dealing with the kind of people we we needed to split off from ourselves. <laughs> because uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you know about the Amalekites, but Amalek is the exact enemy. He Amalek is a Hebrew of Hebrew lineage descended from Abraham who hates Judaism and hates Jews. So uh, we, we, we tend to call Hitler Amalek. The, the, he's, he's an exa- He's the example of, and, and another person who's Amalek is Haman in the story of Esther, who tried to get all the Jews killed. If you know mm-hmm. the story of Purim. So Haman and Hitler are the perfect examples of Amalek. And, and that is basically a Hebrew who hates Judaism. So if we don't deal with them, the story is, the reason why Haman came into existence is because uh, I think it was I can't remember which David which which king it was. It might have been King Saul. I can't remember from the top of my head now. Didn't deal with the ancestor Agag of 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 Haman, and if he had dealt with him properly, then it would have been there would have been no Haman. So so the correct way to deal with Amalek is to is to nip it in the bud, and that is to siphon them off from Judaism and either give either you know, convert them to full Judaism or to give them an alternative form, a bridge, so that they can learn to appreciate Judaism without observing it. So this is the solution. This is something which is not known outside of Judaism.
0: <laughs> this is blowing my mind. I, I always thought, okay, my understanding of it was, that the reason why that verse in particular stood out to me, the law is only a shadow of what was to come, or the good things that were to come, mm. is that it's comparing the Torah to Plato's cave, where all of these laws and rules and stories—they mm. were all just getting you ready for this new ultimate reality that is upon us, mm. um, through the form of Jesus Christ. And what what this always is a I, very gentile way of looking at it, right? But that's what I always—that's how I always took the book yeah. of Hebrews, is because that,
1: the whole thing has been presented to us for thousands of years, two thousand right. years, in, in my from gentile eyes.
0: In my view, a lot of the New Testament could be. Or could have been compatible with uh, Judaism. Like, and I even imagine, you know, in the absence of someone like Paul, you could have had like a Hebrew Orthodox church that believed in. You know Jesus as the Messiah but also still you know uh, mm. followed the law of Moses but it's it's because of Paul and because Paul was emphatic on this point that you he he gave birth to Christian theology that that, that to me that's like the, mm. the book of Hebrews is where Christianity declares independence from I mean, Judaism. how much time
1: family. do we have I mean I could redo out I mean the, the the best thing to do if there's no there's no single sentence that I can say which will help um change the view on Paul but there, is, um, there are two pages which I could read out on, and by the end of those two pages, you will completely see things in a different way.
0: Because here's the other thing that I always thought was very odd in Christianity, and especially in Hebrews and especially in Pauline theology, is that to me, it makes it sound like the Torah and the Old Testament, uh, or the Hebrew Bible, uh, the Torah, that the whole thing was like some elaborate prank just to show you that it doesn't work right i mean this is this is how this is a very typical to me anti-judaic
1: view yeah this is how christianity this, was
0: preached to me as a kid yeah. the, the 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 law was there to prove that the law doesn't work and yeah. i always thought that that was a, such it's a it's a joke isn't it yeah Well, this God is the, this is obviously why and,
1: this is why jews have such a disregard for christianity because it's uh it's it's the dominant view <laughs> and and islamism too you know these there are 2 billion christians and 2 billion muslims in the world telling everybody what judaism is about and there are 17 million jews <laughs> who say, shrugging and saying, well, (laughs) what can we do about it? Everybody thinks they know. But it's a complete uh, arrogant uh, straw man position. You're just building a straw man against the Jews and you're Mm. building and you're appealing to majority. This is the Christian trick, not Christian, Christianity. It's a straw man view of Judaism and it appeals to majority. Two fallacies, two fallacies. And so nobody actually knows what Judaism is really all about. They only know what Christianity says it's about and because Christianity be- appeals to the majority, that's what all the academics are saying too. But still, so, nobody really knows what Jews are saying.
0: What, what What are these two pages that you're talking about? That these are the letter of Gen-
1: it's, a, it's two pages from a letter of, by Jacob Endon. If
0: it's, you're if you're willing to read it, I'm more than happy to listen to the entire right. thing because I find this to be one of the most incredible things anyone's ever told me that that Paul was actually trying to protect Judaism by creating Christianity, which is what I not just Paul, you-
1: John as well. And he's the you see, we would say, as you said, you know, Matthew, Mark, okay. Luke, John, Paul, oh, and, and exactly and, and exactly here, Matthew, Mark are not mentioned by Rashi. The ones who are mentioned by Rashi are John, Paul, and Peter. And he, these are the writings of the New Testament, which he says, no, they're not heretical. These are the, to the benefit of the Jewish people. But, uh, and Jacob Endin also explained too. So it'll take a while. Let me just go and have a look up here to see on my shelf if I've got the book in this room. Yeah, I do. I just have to unplug you from my ears for a second because my headphones don't reach that far. Okay, So I'll just unplug and I'll go and get that book and come back and I'm back. So let's open up the letter. All right. So w- let's see how many pages this is. This is one, two, three, four, five, six pages long, actually. Let's see how I go with the first couple of pages and see, see, see if you tell, stop me when you start to get the picture. Okay. okay all right. All right.
0: When it stops so being Robert, shadows, you know. sorry. When it stops being shadows, I'll let you when know. Stop, yes.
1: <laughs> All right. So thank you for letting me re- read out uh, Jacob Emden's letter here. This is from Seder Olam Rabbah Vezuta. Okay, and it's uh, Rabbi Yaakov Emden. Of course, he he. It's a it's a it, it's an excerpt. These six pages are an excerpt, and this is in a book um, called Jesus the Pharisee by Rabbi Orthodox Jewish Rabbi Harvey Falk which is in opposition to the other book called Jesus the Pharisee by secular academic um, Haim Maccabee. You know, the name Haim Maccabee sounds so Jewish, so everybody buys that book. And Harvey Volk seems so not Jewish. <laughs> Volk? <laughs> a little bit Jewish. Yeah, Volk doesn't. <laughs> yeah, a little bit Jewish. And so uh, people don't buy Harvey Volk's book, but he's the real Jew, and Haim Maccabee is just the secular academic, so everybody buys the wrong book, um, Jesus the Pharisee. But this is in that book. This is page 17, and it's uh, excerpt from Jacob Emden's letter. It starts... For it is recognized that also the Nazarene and his disciples, especially Paul, warned concerning the Torah of the Israelites to which all the circumcised are tied. And if they are truly Christians, they will observe their faith with truth and not allow within their boundary this new unfit Messiah, Shabbatai Tzvi, because it's a letter against Sabbatai Zvi, mm-hmm. uh, who actually I, 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 I actually sympathize with, actually, but it doesn't really matter because I really very much understand Jacob Endon's point of view here. Um, Sabbatai Zvi, who came to destroy the earth? He continues, but truly, even according to the writers of the Gospels, a Jew is not permitted to leave his Torah. For Paul wrote in his letter to the Galatians, Galatians 5, I, Paul, say to you, that if you receive circumcision, the Messiah will do you no good at all. You can take it from me, that every man who receives circumcision is under obligation to keep the entire Torah, unquote. Again, uh, because of uh, this, he admonished in a letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 7, that the uncircumcised, sorry, that the circumcised should not remove the marks of circumcision, nor should the uncircumcised circumcise themselves. Many have asked that Paul appears to contradict himself here. In the Acts of the Apostles, Act 16, it is mentioned that Paul circumcised his disciple Timothy, And they found this very puzzling, for this act seems to contradict the latter text, which seems to indicate that he considered circumcision a temporary commandment until the Messiah's arrival. But this took place after the time of the Nazarene. Therefore, you must realize and accept the truth from him who speaks it, that we see clearly here that the Nazarene and his apostles did not wish to destroy the Torah from Israel. God forbid, for it is written also in Matthew chapter five that the Nazarene having said, Do not suppose that I have come to abolish the Torah. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. I tell you this, so long as heaven and earth endure, not a letter nor a stroke will disappear from the Torah until it is achieved. If any man, therefore, sets aside even the least of the Torah demands and teaches others to do the same, he will have the lowest place in the kingdom of heaven. Whereas anyone who keeps the Torah and teaches others to do so will stand high in the kingdom of heaven. Unquote. This is also recorded in Luke chapter sixteen. It is therefore exceedingly clear that the Nazarene never dreamt of destroying the Torah. We Jews similarly find Paul, find Paul his disciple, in a letter to the Corinthians, one Corinthians five, accusing them of fornication and condemning one who had lived with his father's wife. You may therefore understand that Paul doesn't contradict himself because of uh, because of his circumcision of Timothy. For the latter was a son of a Jewish mother and a Gentile father, Act 16. And Paul was a scholar, an attendant of Rabbi Gamaliel, the elder, well-versed in the laws of Torah. He knew that the child of a Jewish mother is considered a full Jew, even if the father should be a Gentile, as is written in the Talmud and the codes. He therefore acted entirely in accordance with the Halacha, that's Jewish law, by circumcising Timothy. This would be in line with his position that all should remain in their own faith, 1 Corinthians 7. Timothy born of a Jewish mother, had the law of a Jew and had to be circumcised just as he was enjoined to observe all the commandments of the Torah. Paul's condemnation of the man who lived with his stepmother is similarly understandable Understandable, as such an act is also forbidden to children of Noah, which is non-Jews. For all who are circumcised are bound by the commandments. This provides a satisfactory reply to the question. This will also solve the apparent contradictions in the Nazarene's own statements. Christian scholars have assumed for, from certain passages in Gospels that he wished to give a new Torah or to take the place of the Torah of Moses. How could he then have said explicitly that he comes to ful- only to fulfill it? But, as it is, but it is as I have said earlier, that the writers of the Gospels never meant to say that the Nazarene came to abolish Judaism, but only that he came to establish a religion for the Gentiles from that time onward. Nor was it new, but actually ancient they being the seven commandments of the sons of Noah, which were forgotten. The apostles of the Nazarene then established those laws anew. However, those born as Jews or circumcised as converts to Judaism, as in, for example, Exodus 12, 49, one law shall be to him that is homeborn and to the stranger that lives amongst you. Both are obligated to observe all the commandments of the Torah without exception. But for the Gentiles, he reserved the seven commandments of Noah which they have always been obligated to fulfill. It is for that reason that they were forbidden to uh, pollution of idols or fornication or bloodshed and things strangled, Acts 15. They also forbade them circumcision and they forbidden Sabbath. All of this was in accordance with the laws and customs of our Torah, as expounded by our sages, the true transmissors from Mount Sinai, of Judaism from Mount Sinai. It was they who sat upon this seat, as the Nazarene himself attested in Matthew 23. He says in Matthew 23, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses's seat. So whatever they say, do obey them. It was they, the sages, the Pharisees, who said that it is forbidden to circumcise a Gentile and who does not accept upon himself the yoke of all the commandments. The sages likewise said that the Gentile is enjoined not fully to observe the Sabbath. The apostles of Nazarene, therefore, chose for the Gentiles who do not enter the Jewish faith that instead of circumcision, they should practice immersion. That's tevilah, baptism. For truly immersion, tevilah is also a condition of full conversion. We do it in Judaism as well, in case you didn't know. And a commemoration of the Sabbath was made for them with Havdalah, which is at the end of the Sabbath or on Sunday morning. But the the Nazarene and his... Sorry, are you speaking to me?
0: No, 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 go go, go ahead. ahead.
1: But the Nazarene and his apostles observed the Sabbath and circumcision, as mentioned earlier, for they were born as Jews. They observed the Torah fully until after the period of the time, a few of them, after a period of time, a few of them decided to give up the Torah among themselves completely. But this is after Paul. They said that its observance was too difficult for them and agreed to remove its yoke from their necks. But even uh, here, they did correctly as far as the Gentiles were concerned, for they, which is in Acts 15, for they were not commanded to observe it. The Gentiles were not observed, commanded to observe all the laws, nor is it proper to to make it difficult for them since they did not receive or accept the Torah at Mount Sinai and were not enjoined to observe the 613 commandments. However, it is completely different as far as the Jews are concerned, for they became obligated to fulfill the Torah because God delivered them from the iron furnace, that is Egypt, to be the people of his possession. Therefore, they and their children became subject to the law forever. This is their covenant and will not be forgotten from their mouths nor be discontinued from their children. For it, they have given their lives throughout the generations, as the psalmist has recorded in Psalm 44, 18. All this is come upon us, yet we have not forgotten thee, neither have we been false to thy covenant. Certainly, therefore, there is no doubt that one who seeks truth will agree with our thesis, the Jewish thesis, that the Nazarene and his apostles never meant to abolish the Torah of Moses from one, of, one who was born as a Jew. Likewise, did Paul write in his letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 7, that each should adhere to the faith in which each was called. They therefore acted in accordance with the Torah by circ, forbidding circumcision to the Gentiles according to the halakha, the Jewish law, as it is forbidden to one who does not accept the law of all the 613 commandments. They knew that it would be too difficult for the Gentiles to observe the Torah of Moses Therefore they forbade them they they forbade them to circumcise themselves. And it would suffice that they observe just the seven laws of laws of Noah as commanded upon them through the Halakha from Mount Sinai mm-hmm. and in Acts 15. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, yes. So you starting to get it?
0: Well my understanding was that the the circumcision of I'm pretty sure it's Timothy. It's one of my understanding was Paul, because he was at odds with the other um, mm-hmm. apostles, uh, because what Paul was preaching was a little bit more radical. Yes, um, that he
1: was duplicitous, duplicitous, that he was sly and sneaky. He did it just, to, just to kind of get by and to, to uh,
0: as a, a as here. a show of good faith. To, to the, <laughs> you uh, could put it that apostles. way,
1: yeah, or otherwise that he was too, duplicitous and two faced. But the Jewish view is no, he wasn't. He wasn't too two faced. He wasn't being sly, sneaky, duplicitous, or, too, or insincere. And just trying to, you know, no, that he, because he could have, if it was an act, when he spoke out against Paul, for example, not Paul, Peter, and he was criticizing Peter for behaving like, uh, behaving differently when people from James was watching him from when he did, when he was without those people from James watching him. Paul is somebody who is not afraid of being outspoken. So. He's very clear and saying, if you allow yourselves to be circumcised, Christ will be of no good to you at all. And yet he goes and circumcised Timothy. What is he, a hip- hypocrite? From the Christian perspective, yes, he's a hypocrite. From the Jewish perspective, no, he's not a hypocrite. He's following the laws properly. He's doing the law, one law for the children of Noah, which is kind of Judaism Mark 1 or baby level Judaism, and a different le- law for the children of Israel who are under the covenant of Mount Sinai. So there's an introduction to Judaism. See, Judaism is, is a two-tier system from the start. It's, 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 you, you, no, that's a thing which a lot of people don't understand, which, which what Jacob Emden is trying to emphasize and get across here is that Judaism has got this two, two-tier system, one for non-Jews, that is also Judaism, Judaism for Gentiles, and Judaism for Jews. And the whole thing together is Judaism. So he's trying to say what Paul was doing is just very simply keeping very clear the distinction between Judaism for Jews, and judaism for gentiles which you would know about if you had studied judaism under the pharisees and he did he studied under gamaliel the one who gave us all of these teachings by the way
0: but <clears throat> paul certainly okay but paul but you would agree that paul still believes in jesus as being the messiah
1: which is not a problem the problem is to believe in jesus as the messiah as, a, as christianity says the problem is, is the way Christianity teaches this, but the way Judaism teaches it, it's not a problem. We have discussions in our in, in the Talmud that basically uh, it's it's uh, every Jew's right to believe that their rabbi, their rabbi is the Messiah if they want to.
0: Okay, so this gets into maybe one of the thorniest uh, subjects we're going to talk about today, because I think one of the number one things I hear about. Jews and Judaism constantly, I hear this constantly, 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 is uh, the Talmud and how the Talmud is bad because it slanders Jesus. From what I've looked at, there are things that, uh, the things that they cite as being examples of the Talmud slandering Jesus, um, all of them look like they're talking about somebody else to me. There's like Jesu the sorcerer, this sort of stuff that uh, um, I don't find interesting. But there is one where it talks about uh, the Nazarene, uh, boiling in, um uh, well, I can't remember the name for for how Excrement, feces. Excrement, yes, yes. yes in yes. getting, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. So um the this what you've just brought up right now is is a massive issue. It's just anti-Semitism, and that's all it is. There has always been for 300 years. There have been anti-Semites writing, and even more. I mean, at the um, uh, there was a controversy in Paris, which Yechiel of Paris was was speaking against. He was one of the Tosafists, and um, there has always been this accusation against the the Jews and these passages in the Talmud, which, which refer to Ben Sittada, by the way, the subject of the book which Raf, Rashi refers to, called the Telia, the Telia Yeshu Yemach Shmo. Okay, this is not Jesus. He says Yemach Shmo, which we we abbreviate to to Yeshu, but his name is actually Yemach Shmo, so that's what it means. So, um Shmo means his name is accursed or forgotten. No, obliterate his name actually means obliterate his name. But his, uh, his name is Ben Setada. And we call him Yemach which gets abbreviated into Yeshu. It's nothing to do with Jesus. It doesn't mean Jesus. It's, a, it's just an abbreviation of the word obliterate his name. And it refers to something called Ben Setada. So, so we have all these stories about Ben Setada. And all these passages in the Talmud, except for two are all about Ben Sitada, except for two. One is about the student of Ben Perachia, who lived um, more than 150 years before Ben Sitada. And he's also called Nazarene. And there may be one reference to a disciple of Jesus of Nazareth. The problem is that all three people are part of the same family. That family is called the Netzarim. The Netzarim is a Hebrew word for science. The scions of the house of David, the royal family, essentially, and the other problem is that all three members of this. Uh, but this is a huge family. This family is is ancient. You, you you're talking about. I mean, by the time uh, of the first century, by the time that the Talmud's written, you've got um, thousands and thousands of people who descend from from this family. So you've got thousands of netzarim, right? Um, but we're talking about three out of a, out of out of those thousands, yes. So I don't know how many thousands we're talking about, but let's just say there was a thousand of them. We're talking about three out of a thousand. Okay, it's not even a percent. Okay, so so we're talking about three of those thousand netsrim, who are from the same family. So they're all called netsrim, and the word netsrim is, is the word which you get um, which you read as Nazarene in in English. Um, The other problem is that uh, they're also from Hasmonean times. And the word for the lion in uh, Greek language is panther, pantheros, panther, which we would get the English word panther from. And the lions of the, these scions are the lions of the house of of, of Judah, the lion of the house of Judah, the king, that they're in the the, the royal family to be kings, the one one from whom the king could be selected. So they're all called panther and they're all called Netzrim because they're all from that royal family. But that doesn't mean that they're all the same person. That's like, that's like saying just because your family name is Levi, that you're actually the same person. Kind of ridiculous.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So who is the guy boiling an excrement? Because this is like the number yeah, one thing I hear about, I hear about uh, the Talmud, that the, the Jesus is boiling an excrement. Boiling an no, excrement. it's
1: Ben Citada. Ben Citada is the son of Mary Magdalena. Magdalena's uh, son.
0: And w- what did he do wrong? What, what landed him in the boiling excrement?
1: Well, <laughs> Now this is going to get me landed in boiling excrement. <laughs> what he did wrong? <laughs> this is good. What he did wrong was uh, he said that um, the time uh, for observing the laws of of of, uh, of Moses, the time of the um, the covenant, had come to an end because the thousand generations had passed, and it's time to so time to abolish the law. And we don't have to observe the holidays the way we were told to observe the holidays anymore. The story, if you look at the teller, is that basically he's saying, let's get drunk and celebrate these holidays the way we want to celebrate these holidays. And let's forget the law. So major thing was that he was getting drunk with his disciples and they were eating and, and, and getting drunk on Yom Kippur, for example, just celebrating Yom Kippur as, a, as mm. a, no, Yom Kippur as a fasting day. So they were not fasting on Yom Kippur. They were having a party with music and drinking. And uh, basically, a modern uh, secular Israeli sort of view of Judaism. <laughs> so that's why I said it's going to get me landed next week. Oh, so he I was see, representing, yeah. So he was representing modern secular Israeli Judaism back in the first century. That's what he was representing.
0: But it, um, it, it's easy for me to see how someone would read that as being the supposed antinomianism. Of, yeah, it was antinom- of, it was He was completely
1: antinomian, and this is the problem. You see, so so we want to deal with these antinomian these are called notzrim. the word notzrim is is used in the book of kings um it's one kings chapter which is it chapter 17 i think it is and uh and it, it refers to them as those who secretly do things against the lord their god okay so they're, they're sons of israel who secretly do things against the lord so the word is notsrim as opposed to netsrim. it's kind of a pun because netzerim means scions of Israel, and Natsirim means watchers, but it's used in this context in the in the Tanakh to refer to specifically sons of Israel who are doing things against the Lord. So they do things in secret, secret against the Lord. So they were having their parties, eating their pork, having their getting drunk on Yom Kippur, and no doubt using some kind of uh, intox- other kinds of tox- toxins because they found cannabis, for example, in some of their their shrines. They had secret shrines, and they found the shrines of these Natsirim around in ancient Israel and they found traces of cannabis on their altars, for example. So, mm. so they had, yeah, they did. So they, they were basically modern secular Israelis. I mean, if you've ever lived in Israel or met, <laughs> gone to a party with Israelis in Israel, then you're or outside of Israel. This is the kind of Jew we're talking about. So from the, from the Orthodox Jewish point of view, that's not actually very good for us. That's going to bring curses upon us. And it became a big issue for us after the destruction of the temple in the, f- the, the first century. Because uh, the view was that the destruction of the temple had come upon us because of this kind of Jew, so we had to seriously do something about this kind of Jew. So the stories about um, uh, this uh, Ben Sitada, the son of Mary Magdalena, who Magda- Magdalena was a disciple of Jesus of Nazareth, but her son was like the archetypal secular not- Israeli.
0: Okay, and but as we've discussed before, Jesus isn't a not-strom.
1: No, he's not. That's right.
0: Right, and neither is Paul. Apparently, no, um, he's not. That's which right. this is uh, the but idea. there okay. were so
1: many knots, stream. There were so many of these not stream, and we had to do something with them. We turned to the teachings of Paul and and Peter and John and all the New Testament books in order to find a way to a solution of how to deal with them. Which is, if the rest of this letter is about Jacob and basically saying why you know how how Jesus of Nazareth and Paul's method was so great for learning to deal with these things. So, so we turned to them to learn how to deal with these secular Jews, what Jesus calls the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And he says, you know, I have not come mm-hmm. except for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So we turned to their, their books, uh, their scriptures, and we thought, okay, we can use this. This is according to the telia according to the, to the story which we're talking about. Mm-hmm. We can use, and it's especially references to somebody called Rav Shimen Klopas or Shimon Hakalpus um, hatzadik He was a, a, a rab who is, we we say in our Jewish traditions, was the one who compiled the New Testament around the year eighty six or eighty nine A A AD, A.C.E. So we turn to to them, those texts and we say, well, okay, we're going to use these texts to try and deal with these secular Israelis and um, and try to help the Romans, uh, the pagans, understand what Judaism is really about. So so that they, they we can we can kind of get a bridge." going so we can filter off these people maybe some of those secular israelis will come and observe judaism fully and if they don't if they're complete apostates then it's better for them to be christian than it is to be complete uh, pagan because if they are christian at least they understand something about the jewish messiah so we intentionally according to our stories as what rashi is saying intentionally filtered off the christian faith from judaism for the salvation of the jewish people so that's what we did
0: is there, okay, so would, would there be, in your view, would there be a specifically uh, Jewish reading of Revelations?
1: Yeah. The Jewish reading, that's why I was laughing earlier. When uh, I wasn't laughing loudly. I was just laughing to myself. Quite when you were talking to me about how the, the, the traditional view is that Christianity is basically a very apocalyptic religion, which, which, which intended to have the, re- the apocalypse happen now within a few years of Jesus, I was kind of chuckling to myself because I think, well, that's not the way we see it um the story of the book of
0: revelations
1: begins with um the the lamb who was sacrificed or before the foundation of the earth that's actually a verse which appears in the revelations but for some reason everybody thinks that the book of revelations begins with the, the lamb taking the scroll from the hand of the one who sits on the throne after Jesus has been crucified and resurrected and gone up into heaven and he stands in front of the throne and then he takes this scroll from the one on the throne and then that's the book of Revelations is coming. Mm-hmm. But That's not how you read it as a Jew, because we have a prayer, which is called Azmilifnei Vereshit, which we say on Yom Kippur. You can see it in the Metsudah Mahzor. If you go to the Kedusha section for the Machzor for Yom Kippur, it's a liturgy for Yom Kippur. And you'll read this prayer, Azmilifnei Vereshit. I'll actually give you the page number as well, just in case uh, anybody wants to go and check that out. Hold on. I'll just get that off my shelf.
0: Hold on. And you're still looking for the relevant verse or page. I've
1: got it. I've got it. It's on page uh, 384. On page 384 to 385 of the uh, uh, Metsuda for Yom Kippur, we have this prayer, which talks about our righteous Messiah, who um, was established before the foundations of the earth, he bore our sins on his shoulders. This is Isaiah 53 is, is quoted quoted in here. This is before the world was created and he was already the, the offering for our sins. So when you're reading the book of Revelations, you have to understand the lamb who is slain before the foundations of the earth, which is the verse, uh, let me just get that verse for you in, in, the, in, the, in the book of Revelations. So you can, if, if, any, if anybody's not familiar with that. The Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world is in um, Revelations chapter 13, verse 8, is a direct reference to our liturgy for Yom Kippur, which is the same. We call him Yinon. This is our righteous Messiah. It's not, We have so many names for the righteous Messiah. Mm-hmm. So... This is one of the, the, the names for the righteous Messiah. And he is the one who is the, like Isaiah 53, the suffering servant, the lamb who is slain, but before the foundations of the earth. So when you are reading the book of Revelations from a Judaic perspective, what you see is not, this is the future now uh, that Jesus of Nazareth has been crucified and ascended to heaven. But here is the plan of the salvation for man, of mankind from the beginning until the end. So things like, you know, the... Um, They have this chimeras, these lions with the serpent tails um, who who, uh, there are something like 200 million of them. Mm -hmm. That's something which is which has happened in the past, way, way in the past. Hence, we have the Greeks with their um, depiction of chimeras, which is exactly what's described there. This is basically a kind of demon, 200 million demons released on the earth, way, way, way in the past. And they're still amongst us today. And so we're not waiting. And there's also the locusts and the Abaddon, uh, Apollyon. The, the, which is the the um, the attribute of God's uh, God's attribute of justice, otherwise known as Matat, the, the destroyer, um, who is the might, righteous Messiah, also goes and releases the locusts from the from the pit who go and sting people for a, a period of time. They they are um, in suffering for I think it's five months and they can't die for five months. Become impervious to death. You know you can't cut their heads off or anything for five months. But they're in agony of, of, as if they have been stung by scorpions for a while. That's something which happens in the long in an ancient ancient past as well. So those things have gone, and um, then in the middle of this book, you have around chapter uh, eleven, a twelve, I think it is chapter twelve. You've got, which is in the middle of the book, you've got the birth of Jesus of Nazareth, and then at the end of the book, you've got the return of Jesus of Nazareth, or at least the Messiah. So, so this is not a book about the whole scheme of uh, of of the of the plan for mankind, and it, it spans over seven thousand. Uh yes it's not
0: actually So this it's interesting this um you you, you talked about the, the the messiah who's slain at the foundation yes. of the world. Yes. And that's Yanon was that the correct word? Yes.
1: Um also it, called Yanin.
0: Okay, it, that's interesting <clears throat> to me because that that's very close to like cosmic bull uh archetypes and myths. Right? Because there's the slaying of the cosmic bull in Zoroastrianism, there's um slaying of the cosmic bull in Different European. Oh,
1: right. Mithraism. Yes, because Mithras, Mitra, Maitreya, um, in in, uh, in Buddhism is I can't say the name. I'm not allowed to. I do okay, I'll say it for you. <sighs> Just before this, for the sake of education, I can say it one time. So and I'll I'll say it after that. So there's Metatron. And we prefer to say matat. So if I'm saying matat, you know who I'm talking about. This is the angel Abaddon, the destroyer, who is basically the attribute of God's attribute of justice, who, who used to operate in this corner of creation, according to Rabbeinu Bahia. And um, all and, and, ha, and everything that anybody knows about God has been taught to mankind from this this, uh, this attribute of justice. The attribute of Matat has taught us everything we know. We also call him Sarha Panim, the Prince of the Presence. And, and he also, by the way, in another Machzor, Metsuda Machzor, for Rosh Hashanah, he also has the name Yeshua. This is an angelic being, not the same person that you're thinking of. This is our righteous Messiah.
0: Well, I've read this about is, the, yeah. I've read about there being a pre-existing belief among some Jews of a um, of a, 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 a pre-existent cosmic Messiah and you know some angelic being named Jesus. And I know that the the mythicists uh, will, will argue that this guy was historicized into Jesus, but that's a whole that's a whole another. Well, that's uh, a possibility
1: too. You know, that's another. that what what we say is is this. There was a great rabbi who was not very well known. Nobody really knew him. He was unknown enough for us to be able to use his teachings without it upsetting Judaism. And yet his teachings were really, really very good. And if anybody wants to believe that he was actually uh, the cosmic messiah, then there's no harm in that because his teachings were very, very good. And we would like it if Gentiles, if all Gentiles believed that he was the cosmic messiah, it would be very good. Um, It would be better. But unfortunately, what they do is they take this idea and then they run with it thinking that they know everything about the Jewish Messiah. Mm. And instead, they haven't learned anything about the Jewish Messiah. And they don't understand. They take all the teachings out of context. All the teachings of Paul out of context. If you take it inside the Jewish context, everything makes perfect sense. Take it outside of the Jewish context and you've got another. uh, another, um, um, Bad translations. yeah, it's another problem just as bad as the secular Jews who, who who we were trying to deal with in the first place. We've got even worse problem now, Nazis, who 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 think that you know they need to get rid of the Jews because they have superseded the Jews. They the supers- right. they've They're replaced the-, the Jews. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, so I don't want I don't want to uh, make you blaspheme or speak out of turn, but were you implying that there's a connection between Mithras and the angel Metatron?
1: Yeah, well, the the view is that um, the Zoroastrians were actually a kind of, uh, they they used to be pagan uh, Persians until they they got in contact with the the Jews. And we we like to believe that Daniel was responsible for establishing the Zoroastrian Magians. So the Magi were actually descendants from the first children of Noah. The first Noahite faith was Zoroastrianism. Mm -hmm. And then the next Noahite faith was Christianity. And the next Noahite faith after that was Islam. But all of these three religions are not supposed to be three different religions. They're supposed to just be what 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 Paul is trying, what Jacob Endin is describing. Paul is trying to do to try and establish this Noahide form of the the, the Noahite side of Judaism. Judaism has got this two, two as I said, this two tier system. So all of those three religions are supposed to be one religion. To be honest.
0: So okay, two things. One, another very popular verse in Revelation is the the reference to the synagogue of Satan, those who claim they are Jews mm-hmm. but are not. That, yeah. that is that is something that I see hurled at uh, Jews yeah. and Judaism constantly.
1: Well, who do you since we put the book together? Who do you think we were referring to when we talking about those who could say they're Jews but are not? Uh, the... We're not referring to ourselves. We're referring to literally people who are not Jewish but say that they're Jewish, even though they're
0: not. So would this be would this be kind of like the the wayward Christians? You get a lot of these people. Um, <clears throat> they're kind of
1: Christian sects who who go around saying that they're they're Jews or they're Israelites or um or Hebrew Israelites or they say that they're messianic Jews or whatever but they're not Jews at all they're just a bunch of christians pretending to be Jews they are literally those who say they are Jews but they're not they're a synagogue of satan this is this is the way we perceive it you have to so you, what you've got to do is perceive the new testament first of all it's not the new testament as evangelion for a start as and you've got to perceive it as if it's actually saying everything from a Judaic point of view written by Jews. And if it's criticizing somebody, it's it's criticizing non-Jews or the wrong kind of Jews. People who are not observant of uh, people who are not in the Pharisaic tradition. Remember, the Pharisees were not enemies to Jesus. Remember, the Pharisees came and warned Jesus and said, you know, in Luke, in, in, I think it's in, in the Gospel of Luke, that Herod's trying to kill you. You have to get away from here. We, we tried to help him. No, so we're not the enemies of Jesus. And just because Jesus says, you know, um, oh, the, the Pharisees are hypocrites or, or this, that, the other, we say much worse to each other. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's, um, that is one thing I've noticed. Uh... Yeah, we do. <laughs> it's not... um... Because the point of being a Pharisee is
1: that you're, you're trying to be really precise on Judaism. And so if you're trying to be really precise on Judaism and then you go off saying something wrong, And I can get this against me. Then somebody can come against me and call me a son of Satan because Mm. I uh, they they consider what I've I've I I'm I'm saying to be against myself.
0: Right, and and they're not saying it to
1: hurt me. They're saying it to help me.
0: Just just like how son of God and son of man, we're, we're not always meant to be taken literally, right? I mean, the, the, these terms Of course are... not. Right.
1: No, it just means, yeah, no, of course um, not. But so... when we talk about the synagogue of Satan, that's a different group. The synagogue of Satan are literally those who say they're Jews, but they're not. They're just not Jewish.
0: The other thing I wanted to ask you about is, I have a long standing interest in Zoroastrianism and Uh I see so many parallels. Uh, We we talked a little bit about this uh, Uh when we were DMing. There's so many parallels between Judaism and Zoroastrianism um, that it can't be coincidence. Um, Uh Even in, even in the way that Zoroastrians will pray where they have like, uh, this little thread, I can't remember what it's called. These little threads, and little knots that they hold. That to me looks very similar to the the Jewish prayer shawl, or, uh-huh. or, or or the wrapping of tefillin. This sort of thing, like the the um, aesthetics of it and the 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 form of it, just seems like it, it's very similar. And we know that the Jews in the um, intertemple period. Uh, yeah. Were exposed to uh, great Persian influence, right? And so I know that the popular view is that the Persians um,
1: were also exposed to great Jewish influence.
0: Ah, right. So, but the the mainstream view, uh, as much as I understand, mainstream it,
1: academic view is that yeah. we copied it from then, yeah, and that all our Bibles written in Persia about five hundred BC. I know, but that's not uh, the Judaic view. We obviously that's not our religion. We don't believe that's just an attack. Again, we consider that to be anti-Semitism.
0: Um. So well, but okay. But what what people would point to is they would say you don't really get references to an apocalypse in the Torah, in the, the five books. We of do Moses.
1: Isaiah sixty three, for example.
0: But, it, but but Isaiah is a prophet later living in.
1: Oh, sorry, you said the Torah. I thought you yes, said Tanakh. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. Well, there is a reference to the, um, the the blessings and the curses and being scattered amongst the nations, mm-hmm. and then being brought back out of the nations. Which is what Isaiah is speaking about, or not? Sorry, what Isaiah, Ezekiel is speaking about in chapter thirty thirty-nine. So, so basically, everything which you see in the whole of the Tanakh is basically repeating the the, the framework which has already been given to us in the Torah, mm. and extrapolating and expanding upon that basic story. That's what that's the Judaic way of looking at. So, if you want to understand everything, just read the Torah again and again and again. Then, whatever you read. Try and understand how does this relate to the Torah? Which part of the Torah is this about? And that's the correct way to understand Judaism. The Torah right. has already given us the frame. The, even the life of Joseph is is the framework.
0: Mm-hmm. I just like the opening of Isaiah, where Isaiah's is in in the temple, and an angel puts the one of the coals, uh, one of the incense mm-hmm. coals, in his in his mouth to mm-hmm. um, basically circumcise his mouth. Yeah. Um, to me, that always that's how, it sounds so Persian to me. It seems like it's almost like he's standing in a Zoroastrian fire temple, um, in these sort of the the um, what are they called, uh, the the angels in Zoroastrian are the Yavestas, I think.
1: Well, we do the blessings over the over the flames, you know, and we do the, the blessings of the flames. The problem is, what happens is that the our view is that we try to take these messages to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles take it the wrong way and they, they focus on the wrong thing. So they start worshipping fire in a temple, which is not the way it was supposed to be, but mm. close, but not really. Likewise, you know, we try to help them to understand the Messiah. So what they end up doing is, is worshipping um, some 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 man without actually understanding the Jewish Messiah. They just worship a guy. Mm. Um, and then we try again with Islam and they end up going even well, worse. So
0: Islam is the <laughs> the... I saved the best for last, because Islam mm. is the last thing I wanted to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. And I just, you got my head spinning so hard from this. It's this, tough, isn't it? Because it's a this, different paradigm. It's a paradigm this, shift. This yeah. view of Paul that you have expressed uh, completely got me off track because mm-hmm. I keep thinking about the New Testament not as a uh, apocalyptic uh, rupture within Judaism, but as an attempt to... Um, uh, preserved judaism while also yes. spreading a, a, a nohidic or a nohid yes. uh, version of it yes uh, which had been I, done before with zoroastrianism yeah. there's a lot of okay there's a lot of stuff i'm gonna to have to go back and look at in the new testament we might we might have to have a, a do another one of these episodes because there's a lot of things in the new testament i'd, I'd, I'd like to get your take on but mm-hmm. i still i want to talk about hagarism and i want to talk mm-hmm. about islam because mm-hmm. i also listened to uh one of the lectures you gave about hagarism um uh, in uh, also that was also kind of blowing my mind so could you could you give us the mm-hmm. the skinny on what Hagarism is so Hagar, Hagar Hagarism
1: also associated with Hagar Hagar is not a name of somebody in Judaism it's her title her name is Keturah because we say that Abraham really only had two wives Sarah and Keturah but Keturah was also called Hagar which means the the cons-overt or the proselyte so that's why she's called Hagar Now, the dot is different because it's a name which comes or a title which comes out of a a noun. But the noun is Hager, which means the the convert. So the Hagerins are people who are converts. And what kind of converts? There are three levels of convert. Basic uh, Ger is what we're talking about, the children of Noah who keep the seven laws of Noah. Um, This most basic level most basic level of gear because judaism is not a we don't see it as a religion we see judaism as religion so the religion of the world is judaism that's the way we see it so so um if uh somebody who has no knowledge of abraham or or anything to do with the bible and it's isolated in an island far far away okay with But they come to some basic, reasonable, rational understanding of of what they think would be principles of of civilization. And they came up with the seven laws of Noah, which we we think are the the seven basic principles of civilization. We would call that person a ger. We would call them a ger, essentially, in biblical language, or, or in modern English, we'd call them a Noahite. Okay? Noahite is obviously not a Hebrew word. But a child of Noah, Noahite. So, so the uh, this kind of Noahite is called of the category which we call umot haolam*, which means wise people from amongst the nations of the world. So, so that would be a wise, a wise guy, if you like, the wise person, a wise man, a sage. The other word for such people is *meshulam*, which means in covenant with God or perfect. It also means perfect, meaning somebody who is in covenant with God. They are at peace with God. They have made their peace with God. So that's called Meshulam. Meshulam in in Judeo-Arabic is Muslim. It's the same word. So Meshulam is the the lowest possible level of being in covenant with God as somebody who rationally, by their own um, uh, logic and reasoning, comes up with the same seven principles of civilization that Judaism says the principles of civilization. Don't kill, don't steal, don't be sexually immoral don't uh, be cruel to animals, you know, um, don't uh, say that um, you have an authority from God to do this or that or the other in the name of God when you don't have any permission in the name of God to do a thing, and don't worship um, material things like gold or uh, wealth or your job or your car or your house, don't idolize it, and finally, um, establish justice in society, those are the seven principles of Noah, those are the seven principles we think in Judaism are the seven basic principles of civilization, Anybody who comes up with uh, those seven by their own logic and own reasoning is considered by Judaism to be within the folds of Judaism, even if they don't know about Judaism. And they are called Meshulam, in covenant with God. They are called Hohmei Umat Ha'olam, wise people from amongst the nations of the world. And that's the lowest level of ger, basic ger. Next level up from that is that you do know about Judaism and you follow the seven laws of Noah, but you do it because you heard that it was revealed at Mount Sinai to Moses, and you believe in, the, in Judaism. But you're not required to observe any of them, any more laws than those seven laws. You just believe in Judaism, and you, you observe those seven laws. This kind of believer, well, this kind of meshulam, Muslim, if you like, this kind of meshulam, or ger, is called um, hasidei omat This category is called the hasidei omat which means the saints from amongst the nations of the world. Not just wise people, they are saints. <laughs> and they uh, are called Matminim. Believers, which is, sounds like the Arabic word mu'min, which is also believers. It's the same meaning. So we've got these two levels. Um, so and this, both kinds of people are called gerim, hagerim. So you could be a, a, one of the hagerim because you believe in Judaism, but you only keep the seven laws of Noah. Or you could be one of the hagerim because you came up with that understanding yourself without even having heard about Judaism. Either way, you're still meshulam, you're still Muslim, you're still one of the hagerim. The third level of Ger is somebody who comes from amongst nations of the world, learns about Judaism, believes in Judaism, and then decides to start practicing more than the seven laws and eventually adopts all 613 laws and becomes a, a Jew. This is called a Ger Tzedek. A Ger Sadik means uh, like, well, it's more than a saint, to be honest. It's uh, like a manifestation of God. So, um, so you get that highest level of, of perfection and holiness um, is also a Ger. So you have these three kinds of Ger. Um, just regular ger, and ger toshav, which is the middle level, and the ger tzaddik, which is the last level, the highest level. So those are the three, the three levels of of ger, and all of these are hagarim. So it means that none of them were originally Jewish or even necessarily Hebrew to begin with, but they um, um, they fell within the uh, they fell within Judaism one way or another. Does that help?
0: Yes, but all of this is ramping up to. Um... The danger zone, which is then from this perspective of Hagarism, yeah. uh who who was Muhammad? What was Islam originally?
1: All right. Okay. Well was Muhammad another from Paul? Judaic from Judaic perspective, Muhammad, and we have this in the you've you I don't think I got a chance to do it in my second episode. I'm not sure if if um if you saw me on Al Fadi or not, but the second episode, I'm not sure if he released it because he was maybe too afraid to do so. But the the um the 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 word Muhammad is used, first appears in uh, Yemeni Jewish inscriptions in, uh, I think it's in the early 500s. So it's like a, a good hundred years before Islam, before the Muhammad of Islam. But the word Muhammad, as it's used in Judaism, refers to Hashem. It refers to uh, the righteous Messiah. Again, it's another reference to the Messiah. So it's got nothing to do. So, so um, if you are from the first lowest level of um ger the, the the wise people from amongst the nations of the world then you don't have to know anything about muhammad but if you were in the second level then you would accept muhammad as being just another word we have this word also in the hebrew bible too in um in the song of solomon the word is mahmadim, which refers to um again to hashem as in his in his appearance when he when he appears because when he comes down to guide the, the children of israel like for example when he led us out of the, out of egypt he appears in what's called in this matat form i've mentioned matat before so matat is muhammadim so this is this is a reference to matat muhammad is is matat um now as for the abbasid version of islam and their they muhammad well we we don't recognize who who they're talking about that doesn't fit with with our understanding of muhammad but but it's correct to um to believe in muhammad If you're you're talking about the Jewish Muhammad, which is Matat, yes, you should believe in in him. But um, we're not talking about um, some guy who um, lived in a specific place at a specific time um, in uh, Arabia and married, I don't know how many wives, and died uh, having been poisoned. You know, we're not talking about a guy like that who had a six-year-old wife. You know, we're talking about uh, the manifestation of God's attribute of justice on the planet as as he did when he he led us out physically from egypt with moses and he went ahead of us and and led us through you know as a pillar of fire and a column of smoke the presence of the lord that's what we're talking about
0: but is it possible and and this is what i've heard argued is that is it possible that the historical prophet muhammad Mm -hmm. um that he may be somewhat similar to what you've been saying about paul and the early christians they weren't he wasn't necessarily trying to start an entirely new religion. Yeah, he was like he saw himself as sort of a monotheism enthusiast that was taking Jewish and Christian ideas um, to try to start some <laughs> type of uh, messianic movement, some type of yeah. Uh, well, we late, have later day Joseph Apocalypse, something like that.
1: We have some positive views of Omar, who would we would say was that that person. That's who we would say was was the person you just described. And and then later, probably what happens is that the stories of Omar got mixed up with the stories of the Jewish Messiah and uh, became the later Islam's Muhammad. Um, So, yes. And in fact, the story of Omar, um, not from Islam, but from the historical and non-Islamic sources, uh, seems very parallel to the story of of Paul being someone who's initially against the idea of Jesus and then basically comes to the idea of like, oh, maybe Jesus is actually a good idea. And uh, starts to spread that idea amongst his people, and um, but it 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 quickly goes in a different direction. But yes, basically we see a kind of a Paul-like figure doing that in uh, in the seventh century in the early in the early seventh century.
0: So who 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 is Omar?
1: Well, historically he would be this. Okay, so in Islam they have several people. One is called Amr, one is called Omar, another one is called something like Omer. And they, they are all different people in Islamic stories. But if you forget Islamic stories and look outside of Islam for different sources, then you find um, references to one person doing, doing one sort of work, one sort of job. And he has very similar sounding names depending on where you're writing about him. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's what we would, we would probably say is the historical Omar. And he seems to be the founder of this uh, religion really. Um, uh, which is basically nothing more, again, than a kind of a, a messianic uh, belief for the children of Noah. That's, again, just basically the continuation of this first century form of of, of Judaism for Gentiles, which um, didn't, maybe it got so far with, with Rome, but then gradually Rome decided to reject that and go in its own direction. Mm-hmm. This religion seems to have survived in Yemen um, and then was being promoted by Omar, this Omar, this historical person, as the kind of like this correct form of Christian faith, mm-hmm. um, which is a Jewish, very, very Jewish form of Christian faith. And then uh, gradually um, the fantasy stories about Muhammad developed uh, over, over time, as, as I think because of uh, the illiteracy in the population. So they were just um, amalgamating all the different stories of various different people together. And, and then, there is, if I, if I give some kind of, if I can give some kind of defense on, on the Islamic position, I'll, I'll, I will try. And that's this, that, um, um, the Messiah is three parts in, in Judaism. Those three parts are called the Messiah ben Joseph, the Messiah ben David and the Elijah aspect. And these three parts of the Messiah are best depicted in the story of Joseph. Joseph at first has his dream and he tries to tell people about the future. At that time, he is the Elijah aspect. Then he gets sold into slavery and become and sent into prison. At that time, he's the Messiah ben Joseph aspect, the suffering servant aspect. And then finally, he takes his place as the viceroy along the ruling Egypt along uh, in in the, uh, uh, on behalf of the Pharaoh. And this is the Messiah ben David aspect. So now the, these three aspects, of the Messiah, one of those aspects is actually accessible, we believe, to all Jews everywhere and all people, actually. And that is the Elijah aspect. So um, so it is possible when we say Muhammadim, referring to all three of these, it is possible to say uh, that those who are um, in the spirit of Elijah, operating in the spirit of Elijah, OK, they are they are doing uh doing what they should do the prophets mm-hmm. of israel the, I, I, the...
0: Uh, so just because muhammad he has his vision of gabriel the angel gabriel then he is persecuted for his preaching in Mecca yep. then he leaves and comes back and becomes king of Arabia so he he, he follows this archetype that you're talking Not about that no
1: what I'm trying to say oh, is right. that if there was a guy who went through all that then the acts that he he has he, if he if he is faithful to Judaism then he has access to this Elijah element of, of the Messiah and then can be, in a sense, a kind of an extension of Muhammad or the Muhammad of our time. So, But it wouldn't just be one person like that, you have to understand. There would be millions of people like this throughout history. Mm-hmm. And you could collect the stories of all those different people, say thousands of those different people, uh, who were all, in a sense, Muhammad because they all had the same spirit, and then misunderstand all those stories of Dozens and dozens of different people, as as being about all one person who lived in one place at one time, mm-hmm. and hence you have the Islamic stories, of, which are about Muhammad, who was married to this person. No, he wasn't. He was married to that person. No, he wasn't. He was married to all of these people. You see, because actually, all of those stories are about a different Muhammad, a different member okay, of this, okay, this okay. body of. You see. Yeah.
0: I, I I think I see what you mean. So we have this maybe like Yemeni branch of Judaism yeah. um, that was growing an influence in arabia um and that became some kind of maybe messianic movement where they were actually proselytizing
1: oh yes certainly yeah Yeah,
0: and that that later gets recodified into the story of islam and and muhammad as being one singular person and and this sort of thing because what what, uh, i often hear people say is they'll say you know jesus is is such a mysterious messiah uh, he only has a three-year ministry. There's all these missing years. We don't know much about him personally. When he speaks, he speaks in parables and, and riddles. He's a very mysterious uh, kind of otherworldly character. Mm-hmm. Whereas Muhammad, mm-hmm. you have all these traditions, all these hadiths. You know, We know that he liked cats. We know what food that he liked. You know, We yeah. know who he was married to. Well, you can say, well, could... one of
1: them liked cats, and we know what the food another one of them liked, and we know what another one of them liked. But they've all been amalgamated into one person. That's the that would be a, a sort of a kosher view, if you like. Oh, I
0: see, I see. So because I remember when I was younger and I was I was reading the Quran and the Hadith, and it said that you know the, the following the death of Muhammad, the Quran was collected from bones, leaves, and the hearts of men because Maybe people have been true. People have been recording the people have been rec- recording his his uh, surahs, his preaching, mm-hmm. um, on whatever they could, basically, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes mm-hmm. it was just from memory. And I always thought that was a, a, a pretty precarious uh, this, source. Yeah,
1: yeah, very precarious, isn't it? But if you look at the, it doesn't. I don't think it was like that. The historical story says really, if you're looking at um, non-Islamic sources, there was certainly a king. His name was something like Omar or Emir. Maybe he was just called the Emir or Amr. And um, he, uh, in his time, or at, at, at the end of his time, there was certainly a, a tome, which is an, of, the, of the Saracens, a, a tome of the Arabs, a big book, which uh, the Vatican knew about um, at that time. Um, in fact, the, one of the popes was arrested for collaborating with the Saracens on this book and for helping them with, with financial. Mm-hmm. He was found guilty and sentenced to death, but then the Saracens invaded and, and the, the Byzantines changed his uh, sentence and, and said, okay, he's, he's off the hook. He can live, but he's going into exile instead. Mm-hmm. And so there was definitely a book in existence at that time. There was definitely an enumir. We do have reference to um, um, the Syriac Orthodox Church who were involved in translating the Gospels for the Arabs, um, who didn't have, a- this particular Arab didn't have access to the Gospels. And when he read the Gospels, he became a believer. So, um and we have the fact that he put coins on, he had coins, he minted coins with a little picture of a of guy holding a cross and the name Muhammad on it. So he became, a. that's how we know he became a believer because Muhammad, of course, in this time refers to uh, one who's holding a cross. I mean, there's only one kind of Christian Muhammad which would be Jesus from mm-hmm. a Judaic perspective. So, so um, you know, there was a book and, and I think that that book, we have parts of it today, I think. And that's uh, what they call the Paris Folios. I don't know if you've heard of them, but we have a we have a large amount of that book, um, which were from the, the the mosque of guess who Amr again. So, um, so it, it, I think it's pretty much, and it's from the right time, it's right place, right mm-hmm. name, and I think it's I think we have it. The, the original, the real origin story, which is given to it, I don't think is true. It's very precarious, and I don't necessarily believe that um, you know we don't, we, we have all of this book or maybe there was many parts which are missing, but when you read this text in Judeo-Arabic, it makes uh, a lot of sense and being as, as basically kind of like, if you've heard of Yiddish theater, it's kind of like an Arabic version of Yiddish theater, but it's, it's, um it's very much like Jewish theater trying an entertaining way of trying to introduce um, uneducated people to some uh, religious concepts and, mm-hmm. um, and it, 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 it very much is in al- alignment with the Judaic perspective, the, the one that I've been talking about, this kind of uh, perspective of, of, of introducing Gentiles to a, a kind of a, a, a rabbi who was uh, to be the center of their attention uh, to understand about the, the Jewish Messiah, to learn more about the Jewish Messiah. So, um, and that would, that's Jesus of Nazareth, which again we're talking about, or in, in, the, in these texts they call him Jesus, son of Mary.
0: So, so, um, you don't, you so don't, I think
1: it really was all about that.
0: You don't. So you're saying you don't really think that there was a, a historical Muhammad.
1: No, I think it was Omar. I think that there are the, the 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 main Muhammad person of the text of the earliest text was Jesus, uh, meant to be Jesus, and um, and I think that there were dozens and dozens and dozens of um, people who were strong believers in Jesus whose stories were amalgamated and put into what we call the Muhammad, uh, you know, uh, Sira or biography. Uh, and 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 I don't think that those dozens of people lived in the same place or at the same time or if this, even in the same century. I think they lived over over many centuries and they represent hundreds and hundreds of different people.
0: So Islam, in other words, Islam begins as a... Another Jewish messianic movement within yeah. the Arabian subcontinent. And yeah. uh, after the Arab conquests, it gets recodified and put together yeah. into a, a, a cohesive story. Yeah. And it's easier it's easier to tell the story of one Muhammad than it is to tell the story of thousands of Muhammads.
1: That's right. I should tell you though that the Standardization of the biography of Muhammad really didn't even happen until the 1800s, and it was the Germans who were behind that because they were so interested in trying to study uh, Islam and, and try they to want, get to they the wanted bottom to end. create
0: their own Islam.
1: They well, what they wanted to do is they wanted to try and make sense of this uh, view where, where Muhammad wasn't very clear. Everybody believed in this thing, but it wasn't very clear. So they they are the ones who sort of solidified the biography of Muhammad and said, we're gonna choose this biography because there are so many different biographies of Muhammad with so many different stories. It was the Germans who standardized it in the 1800s because you know they were very interested in studying all sorts of things and, and the, they, they like everything to be just so. <laughs> so. So they really actually are responsible for, to be honest, creating um, the modern Islamist um, uh, problems.
0: The, the Germans are indirectly responsible for creating Islamism.
1: Indirectly, yes.
0: Oh boy. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh,
1: just, I mean, you might say, well, you would say that because you're a Jew and you don't like Germans, but that's not the case at all. <laughs> at all, at all. I'm, um, glad,
0: I'm glad you said it because yeah. I wasn't going to
1: say <laughs> I know how it sounds. Uh, well, <laughs> this so what, what is why your... I haven't done it on my own show. I'll say it on your show, but I wouldn't put it on my channel because well, I know how it we, sounds.
0: You know? we, we let anything go on Skeptotopia. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is your position on Abraham building the Kaaba?
1: I don't think you did. <laughs> no, what? What? I, okay, I was kind I'll of, I was thinking,
0: is. I thought for sure, I thought yeah. for sure, because you what you said to me about Paul, I was not expecting at all. Yeah. I thought you were I going to actually tell me, yeah, I that, I'll tell you something. I, I thought maybe now you're going to tell me, oh, Abraham definitely built the Kaaba.
1: Okay, but not in Mecca, in Hijaz. He built it in uh in Nabatea, um, around... Well, oh, in back to the, the thesis,
0: back to that thesis. See, that's why I started with that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's Nabatea. Yeah, we're back to that first thing there. So um, so the Hasmonean religion, the Romanic Jews, of course, were exiled in, in from, from Jerusalem around 135. And they went to different places. And some of them ended up in Nabatia, which is the Negev, which is South Israel today. And it's on the border of Jordan and um, Petra. Uh, it's very, very close to Petra. So this was the homeland of Abraham and Isaac and Ishmael and Esav, the, the brother of, of um, Jacob, Jacob and Esav and Isaac and Ishmael, they all lived around that area. And so I think it's very possible that he built the first thing there. But um, obviously this is not the story of him building um, a, 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 a place of worship in that location in the Negev. Uh, I have no problem with that at all whatsoever. That's where they were living. Mm-hmm. However, if you're going to say that, uh, no, it was actually... Thousands of miles to the south, in uh, in central Hejaz, mm. that doesn't make any sense. But completely- okay,
0: but you could see maybe if if we're we're going by your thesis, right, where it's like Islam, it was actually a sort of a, a evangelical Jewish movement, yeah, and they're they're trying to establish themselves in Mecca, and then this is something I believe you pointed out that I had never noticed before that the the Kaaba is a lot like the. Um, the Jewish Teflon. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, the, oh, the, it's the Teflon. Okay, the Teflon, mm-hmm. and the, they they circumnavigate. I think seven times. Like all oh, right, yes, yeah, like that. The, that it's a giant reenactment, basically. We we'll do that around the
1: the um, the bima in the synagogue for every holiday, you know. Which is yeah. So we we have that a lot. So you've got the Teflon, which is a little square box, which you wrap the you wrap the, the 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 leather strap around your arm seven times, and you spell out a certain letter with it. Also that The beamer in the synagogue is like a little box. When we walk around it seven times for the um, um, for the for the festivals, we do a little procession around it. By the way, also although Christians don't really seem to know much about traditional Christianity anymore, Christians used to too. On Palm Sunday, they used to do a procession around the churches seven times again, anti-clockwise in all cases. By the way, so this is just part of a very ancient tradition, a Judaic tradition, which which was there in Christian early Christian faith mm. and was there. obviously the origin of the islamic um hajj rituals as well
0: yeah i just uh, that that really that was that was kind of shocking to me i'd never actually noticed that before that the 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 rituals that take place in mecca are like a massified version of um these these individual jewish rituals yeah that's right that that i found to be very interesting um, Even stoning Iblis has got, you know, the
1: stone which they stone. This is actually also to do with the stoning of, um, of uh, Ben Setada, the the one. Remember I told you we have this story, the you, which is people are uh, the anti-Semites have tried to present it for the past 300 years as the story of Jesus, mm-hmm. but actually he was stoned to death and he was then hung on a tree after he was dead. But the stoning of him is, is also what's going on in, in, in Mecca there when they're stoning this thing, because he was stoned to death at a festival time. <clears throat> he was stoned to death. Ve- so the, the festival they do when they stone this, this they, they, they stone the devil is actually um, uh, when they do the sacrifice of the lamb, they take the lamb out on the 10th day of the month and they sacrifice the lamb. So this sacrifice of lamb, what is this about? Is to do with the sacrifice when 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 uh, Abraham was supposed to do a sacrifice and he sacrificed a lamb instead. So when when is the time of that in Judaism? Well, that's that's Passover, which is why exactly at Passover uh, happened at that time because of the time that Abraham did the sacrifice, uh, the the Akida, and um, uh, later when we were trapped in in, in Egypt, uh, at that time, the time of the Akida is the time which which, which Hashem chose to. To to for us to do the Passover, um, um, sacrificing the lamb and putting the, or, and putting the blood on our doorposts to protect us from the, the the destroyer when he went and killed the firstborn sons of Egypt. So at that time, the same time is when uh, uh, Ben Sittada was stoned to death. So gathering everybody together to do the sacrifice of the lamb, the Akida, and then stone the devil, <laughs> and then go around the covers. Of, <laughs> it's just. It's all from uh, this kind of evangelicals of Judaism, if you like, or a Ju- Judaic, Judaic evangelism is what we might say.
0: Uh, okay, this has been this has been quite a trek. Um, we've been yeah. going for two hours. And, um, w- would and you we be can with- go on
1: for another eight hours. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, exactly. uh, there, there's some stuff I now want to, uh, this alternate view of Paul, which I yeah. this was not what I was expecting you to say at all. Like I've repeated many times, and I'm obviously fixated on it. There's some stuff I want to want to look at. Talk every to verse about you again.
1: think you're going to find from Paul is like, wait, this is going to stab him now. You're going to bring it, and I'm going to show you how to read it in a completely <laughs> different way. And you're like, oh, well, my goodness, because the other realized one that it's I was thinking to of, see this differently.
0: The other one I was thinking of, and one that I've heard many times throughout my life, is the 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 breaking down of the wall between Jew and Gentile uh, in Ephesians. And, I, you know, I was thinking I was going to ask you about that, because the story I always hear is that, you know, they would let the Gentiles into the, the synagogues of old, um, but they weren't allowed to pray with the Jews. And then through through Jesus Christ, that wall has now been torn down. Right. Um, in other words, you know, Judaism is over now we're going to have this universal judaism in the form of christianity funny
1: funny because paul's the only person who actually names the religion of the bible and he calls it judaism it's the only time the name of the religion of the bible is mentioned it's mentioned by paul and yet and yet people got the idea that paul is the one who's trying to tear down judaism when he says he was excelling in judaism so yeah it's very interesting but so this tearing down the wall okay there is no jew there is no helen there is no slave there is no free there is no man there's no woman um and we're all one in christ this this story right okay well is there really no man and is there really no woman of I, I course, would there's say, man but i would of course say woman
0: because i'm still taking the view that paul is looking forward to this imminent apocalypse it's because we're about to all transcend the flesh
1: not if he's actually as as we say not according to our thesis, as a, to, to quote okay. Jacob Emden, not according to our thesis. No, he, he wasn't, no, he has a, he has a clear idea of this, the whole 7,000 year plan.
0: So then what would you say is being said there?
1: He's saying exactly, as we, when he says no male, no female, he's not saying that there are no women and there are no men. Of course there are women and of course there are men, but there is an equality in Christ. In the Messiah, we are all we are all um, new beings. In the Messiah, meanwhile, in reality, men and women still exist. In reality, Jews and Helen still exist, but on a spiritual level, we're all one family. We're on we're all we're all equal on a spiritual level. Whether you are a Gentile following the seven laws or whether you're a Jew following the six hundred thirteen laws, it's equal. In the Messiah, it's equal.
0: But I would okay. But if if the point of if, if what Paul was actually trying to accomplish is he's trying to preserve Judaism while yeah. providing a no hide version of Judaism uh, for, for the Gentiles, that would seem like he's still maintaining a wall.
1: Well, that's what the criticism would be against him. And hence, that's why he has to come back and respond to that criticism saying, no, I'm, there is no there is only a physical reality, Jews and Hellens, men and women free and slave or servant employee if you like mm-hmm. but but in spiritual message that he's teaching is there is no hierarchy of like the jews are over the gentiles which or, and there's this the jews are pure and the we're talking about gentiles called by god's name of course because gentiles called by god's name are not the same as gentiles not called by god's name okay, okay. so <clears throat> we have a word for them they're called nachrim or zarim and they are they are damned but but the ones who are meshulam have come to this understanding of the seven principles of civilization then um they are equal you know to the the jew observing 613 laws on a spiritual level might not look like that being equal in this world but in 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 the messiah it's equal there's no um domination here there's no superiority that's what he's trying to say so he's being attacked by people who are saying oh you're trying to be superior You, you jews think you're so great think you're so holy and the chosen people Mm -hmm. and and he's responding and saying no there's no jew or gentile in in christ we're all one it's a response like that but in reality yes the jews do that and the gentiles do that but in 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 christ we're all one there's no superiority here the the word which is given for the jews is chosen the word which is given to the gentiles who are called by god's name is loyal faithful true so so i mean why don't we get the name, you know, loyal, faithful, true, where we're just chosen, but, but the other side is loyal, faithful, true. So, you know, are we going to, uh, maybe the Jews should be complaining and saying, well, you think you're so great, you, you Gentiles called by God's name. <laughs> you're so loyal and faithful and true, and you think that we're not loyal or faithful. We don't complain because we understand Judaism. But, but the, for some reason, people who are loyal, faithful and true, or, sh- or could be under the category of loyal, faithful and true, want to complain about the jews because of the word chosen but exactly that's what the new testament says when paul's saying you know so what benefit is there in being a jew well much in every way because they are the ones who are chosen to preserve the oracles of god Mm -hmm. so so yeah the jews were chosen to preserve the religion but look you're very lucky because you're faithful loyal and true and you only have seven laws and the jews have got 613 laws but you're 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 both brothers and sisters you're you're in the same religion so, and you get the same reward. So it's um, Paul is really responding. To, he's trying to maintain the, 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 the Judaism in its purity with its two tier system. Yeah. The mm-hmm. two channel system. And he's also trying to defend it against the attacks of people who are saying, oh, you think you're so superior. And so- he's saying, no, well, there's no superiority. There's no uh, neither whether it's male or female, or free and and, and, and servant, or whether it's a Jew and Gentile, uh, or Helen, actually, he, said he uses secularist, the end result is we are all one on a spiritual level as long as we are uh, adhering to or connected
0: to the Jewish Messiah, the Christ. So... What is salvation then? Because when you when you've talked about when you we you you mentioned being destroyed, you mentioned damnation. Yes, I the the thing as I've always understood it, Judaism has pretty ambiguous views about the afterlife. Well, it's
1: pretty straightforward. I mean, it's not really ambiguous. What we have is this: if you are in meshulam, then we can say yes, we've got some ambiguity, and, and there's all sorts of. Many, many um, options, but in the Meshulam, which includes from the the one who is a real, from rational thinking all the way up to the Jew who is keeping 613 laws, they are all Meshulam, and they're all on the safe side. What if you are not Meshulam? What if you don't believe in the seven basic principles of civilization? Well, the answer is very simple in Judaism. You get, you, you get destroyed.
0: destroyed meaning you cease to exist you have no
1: soul you have no soul that's the the view is you don't have an eternal soul you're not immortal you'll cease to exist you'll be consumed when you die that's it finished fizzled out gone nothing obliterated
0: i mean sounds like nirvana well, if you want it, go for it. <clears throat> <clears throat> that would be that would be that would be an interesting view to take that people are like well actually. Well that's the Jewish like view, you know. If you
1: want yeah. it, go for it. If you want to take that if you want nothing if you want I mean this is by the way we said Nirvana, it's, it's a very theravada sort of interpretation of nirvana not a mahayana uh, interpretation of mm-hmm. nirvana which is much more like uh, heaven but yes if you want the atheistic side of, of nirvana then yes that's exactly what it is it's obliteration it's, it's nothing it's annihilation and you have no consciousness your consciousness is gone but everything that you were is finished
0: uh, but i also know that there is there are jews who believe in reincarnation well this is i'm just we're only talking about those who are
1: outside of mashiach oh I see, right I, see, I see okay okay so this doesn't apply to jews nor, neither to the people who have seven laws of noah if you're keeping the seven laws of noah that's a different situation so we have these different tiers so so the, the, the threshold um, line for somebody who is not going to be uh, destroyed versus somebody who has got a chance at, at eternal life um, is the seven laws of Noah. If you're keeping the seven laws of Noah because of your own rational thinking and your reasonable, logical conclusion that these are good basic principles of civilization, then you are in a position where you are relying on your works. You will have, we have this concept of, of a kind of a karma based on uh, how many good deeds you have versus how many bad deeds you have. If your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, congratulations, you pass, you have eternal life. This is from somebody who is just simply rationally working this out for themselves. Okay? Now, you might, it's not a guarantee that you get eternal life. It's just you have a chance at eternal life based on your, your good deeds versus your bad deeds. Mm -hmm. right the next step from that that's is is the hasidimot alam the believers the ones who believe in judaism guaranteed a a place in the world to come just because they believe in the revelation of mount sinai and they keep the seven laws of noah guaranteed nothing to worry about you have eternal life congratulations
0: no question salvation through grace via belief in the torah correct we we
1: invented it. Where sounds do you think very, it comes I, from? I, I was gonna say it sounds
0: very <coughs> Christian to me, but but that's With, because I'm Maimonides,
1: still. My writes about this. This is this, we invented this. The idea is that, but but and what is Judaism? I talked about this just today on my channel. So if you believe in the revelation of Mount Sinai and you keep the seven laws of Noah, the basic principles which are described in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter fifteen, you know, the, the, mm. don't 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 um, be sexually immoral, don't I, don't have idols, avoid bloodshed, you know keep these things as it says in the, in acts 15 and believe in judaism you're saved you have eternal life guaranteed
0: but what if you're but what if you believe in the torah but you're a very bad jew
1: you're still saved but you've got to go and burn for, for 12 months ah okay <laughs> a, all right i know it cuz i've heard you about it you have got a I... kind of a purgatory for 12 months and then there, you the maximum there is 12 a... months. it could it might just be one day but you've got to be punished for a short amount of time and then you get your eternal life
0: Uh, that sounds very buddhist actually Uh, yes it's very buddhist i know in buddhism there's like you can you can pass through the hellish bardos uh, now we're talking about mahayana
1: buddhism as opposed to Theravada. yes that's right yeah okay
0: um because mahayana has my
1: triad by the way Theravada doesn't have my triad so mahayana has my my triad is mitra matat they have the messiah they have the jewish messiah in their religion so so we consider them all right too they're kind of no height faith too (laughs) <laughs> they're they're believing Noah Heights as opposed to non-believing Noah Heights.
0: <clears throat> well, it's interesting because I always saw Nichiren Buddhism, um, where you just have to believe in the Lotus Sutra and you constantly reaffirm the Lotus Sutra, and, and that's what the Buddha wanted to teach you but couldn't until the later days. Um, right. he, that always made, in my view, I always thought of uh, Nichiren Daishonin as being like a, a a Buddhist Paul. He's saying there's been this secret doctrine contained since the beginning that will mm-hmm. you, which provides you salvation by grace later down the road mm-hmm. uh, this idea in belief, belief in the Torah itself guarantees salvation but in you the revelation have to...
1: of Mount Sinai yes hmm. <clears throat> if you believe in the revelation of Mount Sinai then yes you're guaranteed. Now the revelation of Mount Sinai has got two things to it, it's, it's both the written Torah and also the oral Torah so you have to believe in both to be saved so if you believe that's called Judaism so yes, that Judaism was revealed at Mount Sinai. If you believe that and you keep the seven laws of Noah, you are saved. you got your eternal life. You don't have to keep the 613 laws unless you're one of the children of Israel.
0: But where does reincarnation come in? Because I know that a, there right. is a, a Jewish doctrine of translation. <laughs> so we will.
1: So here's the thing. So who's going to believe? So, 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 uh, so we've got this, this basically the, the believers in Judaism whether they are keeping seven laws or 613 laws, the the ones who believe in the revelation of Mount Sinai versus those who are keeping seven laws because of their own reasoning. They don't, they've never heard of Mount Sinai. They just are doing it from their own reasoning, right? The ones who believe in Judaism because it revealed Mount Sinai. We say that's because they were all there at Mount Sinai.
0: Their souls were at Mount Sinai.
1: Correct. Everybody was there at Mount Sinai who believe anybody who believes in Mount Sinai was there at Mount Sinai. If if you don't believe in Mount Sinai, it's because you you weren't there.
0: Mm-hmm. So, but I've also heard that anyone of Jewish descent that, that that in Orthodox Judaism it's believed that their soul then must have been at Mount Sinai. Or is that anybody
1: who believes in Judaism must have been at Mount Sinai? Yes. No, That's
0: no, no. Right. This was saying anyone anyone even born of a of a, 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 Jewish, a Jewish mother mother.
1: Yes. Only to three generations. So if the mother has a daughter, and that daughter wasn't brought up in Judaism, doesn't believe in Judaism, and then she has another daughter, and that daughter also doesn't believe in Judaism, doesn't practice Judaism, and the the that daughter's daughter is the, is the last chance to make a conversion to Judaism, to come back to observe Judaism, because that daughter's daughter would be considered a Gentile. So it doesn't go forever. It only goes for three generations. Okay that's the that's judaism yeah that's the mishnah so it's not an eternal thing it's just three generations but yes if you it, it goes down the mother's line so it gets diluted less and less but after three generations it's considered like threshold it doesn't really have any power anymore
0: mm. um okay this has been this has been a marathon um <laughs> Uh, w- would you be willing to come back again? Because I feel like there's sure. going to be. I'm going go to I'm gonna go to sleep tonight. I'm going to go to sleep tonight. I'm going to come up with a hundred more questions because I have to go back and look at the New Testament oh, in sure. a very, in a very different way than I've been reading it for a long time. Um, sure, you, sure, yes. You did not make the argument that I thought you were going to make at all. <laughs> <So> this, this, <laughs> what this did you episode, think I was going to make? I don't normally I, get, I don't normally get derailed. I don't normally get derailed like this, but um because I had some other, other things I want to talk to you about, but now we've been going for over two hours and this is okay. much longer than I normally do these episodes for. Okay. Um I thought I thought you were gonna have a a, a more standard view because my where I'm at with Christianity is it just feels like that Christianity was an apocalyptic Jewish movement. It, it didn't happen uh, and then later for political reasons it was recycled into basically a, a Roman mystery religion um, and so many things in Christianity just got grafted directly onto the Roman pagan world and like it just turns into metaphysical Rome basically like the uh-huh. the whole way that the Catholic Church is organized and how it sees itself in, in the world it was just it, it's way more Roman than Jewish, um, and there's in, in yeah. my view, it's like it, it can't possibly have anything to do with the Nazarene. It just seems like that's completely something else. And then Christianity, you're,
1: you're right. Yeah, that's Christianity is like that, though. Yeah,
0: right. But but you saying that actually, but, but I always thought of Paul as being he's the one who went He's the one who mm. wrote, yeah. That's and what he everybody was, says. He was at odds with the other disciples. And now I see that that could be a whole... It never occurred to me that that itself could be like this whole weird anti-Semitic um, rewriting of history. You know what rewriting. I would like to
1: do? I'd like to pinpoint exactly where does this idea come... Who who blamed Paul for this? Where does it come from? Who was the first person to blame Paul?
0: I don't think it's that they blame him. I think it's that... Uh, well, like maybe from a Jewish perspective, but... Um, Usually, like Paul is held up as being like the pure apostle because Jesus spoke to him directly and like converted him from being a Jew to being the first Christian. Is the is that is the like mainstream Christian view? In, in and in my and, mind. and the main
1: the mainstream at least for a thousand years until the Holocaust view, as as I was reading Yaakov Enden just now and Rashi, was also the same. We like Paul, and and oddly enough, uh, the traditional Islamic view was also very positive to Paul as well. There's a surah. Yasin in the Quran, which is supposed to be about Paul, Saint Paul, but somehow, somewhere along the line, everybody started hating Paul. I think it's got something to do with the Nazis.
0: That's yeah. I would have to look into that because this is just very, this is very different than how I've been thinking about it. And which which surah of the Quran? Do you know what number? Yasin.
1: I don't know which number it is. Surah Yasin. If I can Google it for you now, Surah Yasin. It's been
0: it's been a long time since I've read the Quran.
1: Yes, you have to look at the traditional tafsirs for this because it's only in the tafsir, that's the interpretations of this, that it's that it uh, talks about this. So Surah Yasin is... is um, um Does it have a number here? Quran.com, I'm looking at. 36, Surah 36.
0: Okay, 36. Uh, I'm going to look at that as well. Yeah, I'm going to have to... All right. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to rethink some things. This is very different than the trajectory I have been on. Okay. Um, and there's other you know, there is other stuff I want to talk to you about, but like I said, we've been we going for a really long time. So I am going to wrap it up here. Mr. Oh. Red Judaism, thank you for coming on. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, Thanks anyone you so much you want for to having give me. A shout out to, itself. including yourself.
1: Um well, if I can give you a link to our um, Discord, Bay Abedan. Yeah, of which course. Is House of Abedan. Um, You could maybe stick it somewhere close by to this. Yes, uh, yes. I always would. Yes,
0: absolutely.
1: So if you tell people where that is, that's that's fine. I'll send you the link and you can stick that in there. Uh, They can join if they if they want to join our mission, because this is actually a a, a real mission to restore. um, What we want is to have Christians who have completely free of anti-Semitism. So we think the best way to do that would be to restore this understanding of Christian faith from a Judaic Mm -hmm. perspective so if anybody thinks that that's a great idea please come along and join us That's that's we would be very happy to have you join the, in the Discord group I also have a YouTube channel uh, which used to be called Red Judaism it's now called Bei Abedan B-E-I, new word A-B-E-D-A-N and you can find me there and you can post messages there you can also send me an email redjudaism, one word, at gmail.com so uh, one way or another you'll get hold of me if you're interested
0: alright, thank you so much Red
1: Thank you too, Maxwell. Thank you so much.